I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 61. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. We are so excited to be talking to you about all the stuff that we have been watching this week. And we have a great episode set for you. But before we get to any of that, uh, we have some housekeeping notes that we always have to get out of the way first. And that is starting with the fact that if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Um, It is so, so helpful to us, not just to get feedback from you, which we always really appreciate, but also by giving us that five-star rating, it also helps us get into the algorithm and helps us get seen by more and more people. Um, So it's always so very, very appreciated uh, when you do leave that rating and a review. Um, You can also follow us across our social media, all at a gay and his NB, and that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, We're posting clips from the podcast. posting new content every single day or instant thoughts on things. Um, so you're definitely going to want to check all that out. And like I said, that's across social media platforms at a gay and his NB. Uh, you can also pick up merchandise from us over at his gay and his MB uh, where we have a variety of different designs that Merlin has put together that you can get on different items, including t-shirts and mugs and stickers uh, and everything in between. Uh, the holidays are very closely rolling around. So it'd be a great gift to either put as a stocking stuffer or, or, or just for yourself, who knows? Um, but uh, that's over at again is mb.threadless.com. And finally, if you have any questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode, you can submit that either on the social media platforms I mentioned or over at againisnb at gmail.com. And we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast. Babe, we have a great episode in store. What is about to come to our listeners this episode? Uh, we absolutely do have a lot of great things. We've got uh, Married to Medicine, which continues to be the greatest thing on TV. It's, it's um, so good. Like, these ladies just, uh, and the addition of Phaedra, it's just, I can't. It's so good. It's so good. Like, Heavenly, my wig has been snatched. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, we're also going to be talking about this last week. Um, with Big Brother UK, lots of developments over there. The house has been cut in half. We're we're going to have opinions for more sure. than just uh, metaphorically, physically. Half the house is gone. Sure. Um, so we are whittling down to what that finale is going to look like. Um, but before we get to all of that. Let's talk House of Villains. House of Villains for this week, a, a new episode. Um, I, I thought this was a good episode. I will say, I don't know about you, um, I, I am missing Tiffany a lot. Like, yeah. I think she brought so much to this show in a way that, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate. There was still a lot of fun here. Um, and I do think it kind of centered the episode around more of the people that haven't been as intriguing to me so to speak like than 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 normal yes i will say as much as i am missing new york i agree with you i do like that it gave space for a tanisha to step forward yes tanisha was great this episode and and really take a center role because i had been waiting yeah i had been waiting for her to kind of step up because she'd been playing a a background role so far right um but like uh, New York leaving really created a void that she readily stepped into. Oh, for sure. Um, and was like, y'all ain't getting no sleep because of me. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, and I'm here for it. 
I'm here for it. Bang all the pots and pans. Yeah. Uh, we come back um, the next morning after uh, Tiffany's elimination. Um, it starts with basically Shake sort of talking about how he kind of needs to cover his tracks because he was one of the two uh, that voted to send Anfisa home uh, because he made that quick alliance with uh, New right. York. Um, I, it, I There was more screen time for Anfisa this episode, which I kind of liked like like she she's still not like the most like out there character i will say like she's not like she's not a tiffany she's not a tanisha she's not you know a bananas even like in terms of that but like she she had certain things i was like okay i kind of can see what you're contributing in a way i'm glad you saw it okay because <laughs> i did not um like when when you said, well, it really got us to see more of Anfisa. I was like, I wish we hadn't. Oh, really? I, I'm I I don't see anything there. There's no there there. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting moment when she's talking to Shake though outside by the pool or whatever, and she's like basically trying to figure out who was the second person that voted because it's clear it was Bobby because Bobby stormed yeah. off when Tiffany got eliminated. But with her going, can you take your glasses off for a second? I want to look in your eyes. Did you vote for me? I thought it was kind of a cool moment. It was also giving a little bit of Uba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Uba from uh, New York. Uh, and it was, I was like, oh, oh, are we, are we going to, and it was by a pool too. Yeah. And it kind of also exposed how bad Shake is at this. I've realized he's oh, kind he's of, awful. he's almost as bad as Jax. Not, not as bad, but like, you know, the problem is Jax. And we've talked about it. Jax wishes he was reformed. He he really, in his mind, is reformed. Sure. Um, he's no longer a villain, again, in his mind. Yeah. Um, and really, he tries to not be a villain. And this was really a bad show for him to be on. Shake is not um, convinced that he's not a villain. He's definitely a villain, but we'll and we'll get to it. He's kind of my least favorite kind of villain. Yeah. Like, like... I, I and I usually you know me I'm very like receptive to most like reality TV tropes and characters even if they're not the most like you know um, respectable but like but there's no entertaining to that type of villain it's just like ugh, really it's this just guy? A, it's a it's a little lazy and sort yeah. of like you know yeah. I've seen it done better like <laughs> by other people yeah, definitely um but she, he's like he's telling her he said no i didn't vote and it's he's so bad when he's like staring her in the eyes like saying no he's a very bad liar oh yeah and she's like do you think corinne did it and in his confessional he's basically like i'll take it like i don't i you know she gives me a name i'm gonna basically run with it and then like bobby joins them and he's basically laying out like you know, I'll tell you what, you know, I think it was Corinne because, you know, we were hanging out here last night and she was like, if Amphisa's here, Benaz might just pick her over me. And I love that they then show the graphic of footage not found because it never happened. <laughs> I love how this show is literally like every bit of it has Joel McHale's DNA all over you it. Like he almost feels like he's a producer. It, it really is. It, it feels like, um, what was his show? Oh, the soup. The soup. It feels like that sort of editing, that sort of like commentary. It's very Joel McHale, and yeah. I kind of love it. I really wish that 
that him and New York being together on Drag Race had been mentioned <laughs> because she was so pissed at him. So was Michelle Visage. Yeah. I, and then, but I didn't understand this. So he's like telling this lie and then he pulls Bobby into like his closet or whatever to tell him the actual thing. Like, no, I did vote for Amphisa. Like, you know, Dumbass. like that's where I'm like, that's where like the Jax thing where it's like, it's one thing just to be a villain. It's the other thing just to be bad at this game. Like, and but the thing is, is that that's not even good villainy. Like, good villainy, you never let in on the lie. Yeah. There's the lie is like bulletproof. The lie has to be bulletproof, or it doesn't. Look at like I, the, I mean, with him being in the house, I the, the first thing I thought of when you mentioned that I was like, look at Johnny Fairplay. Like Johnny Fairplay was yeah. able to commit to a lie, like you know, yeah. Through to the end until it, you know. The only person who knew Johnny Fairplay's grandmother was still alive was the person who was never going to be spending any time with the other castaways. Right. Like, like other than that, everyone thought that bitch was dead, and there, that's why it lived. If there wasn't a camera on him, he would have taken it to the grave. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, I also noticed after he does it, Bobby in his confessional goes, villain rule number 88, don't trust me. And I just realized, like, watching the episode, they've been, I feel like it's a conscious thing they're doing in these confessionals, because they've, like, Tiffany did it once, I think, last episode, where she was like, villain rule number whatever number. Omarosa's like, done it, too. I was like, are they feeding them this, and they making this, like, a thing? It feels very much like uh, Rule of Culture number 742. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Bobby basically tells Amarosa that if he's uh, going to win Supervillain, he's going to gun for Bananas and Corinne because he feels like they're closely... I mean, he's like, it's bigger than just like any alliance because it has the romantic sort of like element to it, which is correct. You break, yeah. you break up the couple, like, obviously. Um, and then... Uh, Oh, so, and then Corinne, so Corinne has her bedroom to herself now because Tiffany's gone because Tiffany was her only roommate. And then she grabs the, the gingerbread man that we saw, like, in the last episode that we weren't sure what the hell. It's just a random prop around the house. Apparently. But it's not just a prop. It's like a giant fucking statue because she was struggling with it weight-wise. Yeah. That thing is heavy. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, it, and they have like little, like they have like the weird props in like the the rooms. I'm just more confused about like who did the whole like because remember last week they did the whole like peering in with the yes. Thing. What I was, was like, that? What was the point of that? Like <laughs> I don't know. I still need answers. Um, uh, Eva, the voice uh, thing, tells them to get their swim in their swimsuits because they're going to get very wet today. Um, and uh, uh, we see which was shady because they went to the coldest place on earth. <laughs> um, also, bananas trying to explain to Anfisa like before they leave what, what a slip and slide is, and I mean, so it's like you know when you like you Did slip sweat? and you, you slide. <laughs> it was like yeah, I was like I get there's a language barrier, but you're actually doing a really bad job with describing this. It's like somebody going, oh, you know, a hamburger. It's where there's ham and it's a burger, <laughs> but there's no ham, actually. Yeah. And then immediately Bobby is in a room with Amphisa and Corinne, and Bobby's like, so Shake's going around saying that you voted for Amphisa <laughs> to Corinne. I was wondering what the strategy was of Bobby doing this since he wanted, like, Corinne out. I was like... I guess to just like cause more chaos to like because the chaos will then come from Corinne. Sure, Corinne that... will have the blow up, which is exactly what sent New York out the door. Right. So if Corinne then becomes the problem, then Corinne gets voted out and have the backup of like if Shake, like say if Shake would have won the challenge, right? Like having you know, um, 
Bobby also then tells Corinne about and Enfisa about well, like what Shake told him in the closet and stuff like that. So he's basically just like being like, so yeah, Shake Shake absolutely did it. Yeah. Um, Corinne then tells this to Bananas, and Bananas is talking about how he basically wants to use Shake as like his meat shield, um, and he's going to help him win the upcoming challenge. So like, which is what you need to like it. There's this discussion later that he has with Amorosa that I find very interesting in terms of, like, their strategies. And, like, I find Bananas to be smarter, at least in terms of an actual gameplay level. Yeah. Like, I like Amor- we'll get to it, but Amorosa later is basically so mad at people who just aren't doing anything and, and don't, like... And it seems like she actually believes that, like, the strong people should be towards the end. And I'm like, okay, but you gotta cut them at some point. To me, I... Maybe it's just this show. Um, I feel like there's no real direction with this show. You're, yeah, I know what you're. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Like there, it's kind of like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, there's with, money, but like, like with Survivor, for example, you vote out people who are detrimental to tribe strength, and or people who can beat you in individual challenges and you're balancing that and you're trying to balance that especially and it's it's a front loaded as tribe strength and back loaded as get rid of the individual strength right um that makes sense the strategy is understood with chaotic people that you can't rely on getting rid of anytime you can um big brother Similar thing for the U.S. For the U.K., it's more about who's causing strife in the house. Right. What are the general strategies and motivations on getting rid of people in House of Villains? Well, also, how I, I also find it odd like that we don't even know how you win the game. Right. Like, is there a jury? Like, is there – like, how, who, how's, how do we determine the actual winner at the end of the day? Because to me, that also should factor into things. Right. About who we're sending home. Well, and it it's also like, okay, so is there a jury? Is there, um, like, why is there no actual villainy? Deter- like, all these <laughs> challenges. The you, make, you get, like, points for, like, being a villain. Right. Like, why That's are, a fun idea. Why are we eliminating people? Have people compete for being the best villain? Okay, I can see that. And whoever gets the most points... You know, or like halfway through, you chop the house in half. Whoever's not making the cut gets the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you keep competing until there's only like two people left and there's a like a villain athlon or something. Right. And like something. And it has to be like dastardly behavior. Like why are we having a, a entire reality show based around reality show villains when there's no villainy happening, yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole point. We love these people, and these people are iconic because of their villainous behavior. And nothing here is encouraging that. But also, I think it's it's also different when like a villain goes against another villain. I get that it's like you know you, sometimes it is like the Godzilla King Kong effect where it get that is exciting. But also, I think also to an extent, part of villainry is like. Having the lambs to slaughter. Yeah, exactly. And so... Maybe that's why half of the cast is like, meh. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be the lambs. I Yeah, because Shaken and Fiza and, and that vibe aren't giving, like, express, like, right. evil villains. So, yeah, I could, you know, 
like I have a feeling that the actual villains were supposed to be Omarosa and Fair Play, Bananas, right. New York, and maybe Bobby. But like, if you were Bobby. to if you were to throw, oh like, no, Tanisha. But if you were to throw like Danielle Staub and Abby right. Miller in there, it's like that is like a little too like right. you know combative to a certain extent. It's, it is a balancing act. Um, we then go to the battle royal challenge called Cold and Calculated, and Joel's there in this like big like almost like um, factory building or whatever, uh-huh. and then, like a meat locker almost, essentially. And there's ice blocks everywhere, and basically, I actually thought this was a very interesting challenge where like you have uh, each of you, each person has a box that has currently three locks on it. You can smash these like ice blocks that can give you either a key to unlock one of the locks. Or another lock that you can put on another person's thing to slow them down. And so it's kind of a strategy game in that regard. I did like this one. I felt like this one did lead, lean towards the villainy. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've actually gotten that. Um, I also found it interesting that it was on the heels of us seeing the ice block challenge on Big Brother last, last right, week. Right, 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 right. So it was just like. Is everybody doing ice? What is this? Winter? Oh, wait. <laughs> the fact that the producers, before they start the challenge, goes like, hey, um, so um, guys, I, ju- I just want to get this out there in case anyone was uh, thinking about it. Um, you can't pee on the ice. <laughs> and how Fair Play was like, oh, I had literally been holding my pee for that. Okay. But, but like you should have let the you should like they should have just let them do it to be honest. Honestly. Um they so and ban, bananas is like mentioned before he's going to try to help shake win and then he's going to basically target Bobby. Like cuz Bobby would be the one most gunning for bananas. And then Omarosa is just outward not even whispering but just kind of outward telling Corinne and Anfisa go after Shake. <laughs> like like and Corinne's like yeah that was the plan. Um uh, so sh- they go through it or whatever. Um, Shake, it gets to the point where Shake finally gets his lock off, the last lock off, but he doesn't open the box. And very clearly, like Joel had told oh, yeah. them in the instructions, the last one with the lock off and opens the box. It's just hilarious because he unlocks the last lock and he's peacocking. He, go, he goes to Corinne. And, he goes to Corinne and he goes, "You're fucking toast. You're fucking toast." Like just ranting and, and like and Amorosa, who's like, "I listened. I know what the instructions were." Yeah, just yeah. keeps unlocking her locks. So good. <laughs> and and he's like basically trying to combat it or whatever in the beginning. He's like, "No, I no. You said the last lock. You said, but no. It was it was clearly what happened." Um. Almost also also said in her confessional, I don't know how I was able to pull it off. You know, this is the hardest challenge I've had to face in my entire reality TV career. And I'm like, this doesn't seem that hard of a challenge. She she was like, I don't like cold, but it's like, like you were on The Apprentice. Like I'm not maybe not like physically, but like those are, I would say way more difficult challenges than like melting some ice and and also get over it. It's just ice. Yeah. And also at a certain point, like, she didn't even have to melt or break most of the ice. Like, they were passing the fucking keys to her. So it was like, um, Bobby then just starts going off on Shake after this and goes, everybody wants you gone. You're the next target. We know you voted for New York, you fake-ass bitch. And, like, starts ranting and stuff like that. I I love Bobby's ability to just, like, start shit. And this is where he confused me because if the whole point was to get Corinne to cause chaos, right? why did he then jump in and cause the chaos? Yeah, he kind of really, like, put himself centered in that as well. Yeah. Well, maybe it was because Corinne wasn't being chaotic enough, and so he was like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. Maybe. 
I mean, that seems kind of Bobby-like. Yeah. Um, we go back to the house. Um, oh, my God. Corinne and Bananas are in the hot tub, and Bananas is, like, discussing, like, okay, so, like, who do you think, like, Amoros is going to nominate? Because I think, you know, if if her intentions are this way, blah, blah, blah. And Corinne is just, like, zoning out completely, not oh, paying attention. absolutely no activity behind the eyes. And then we cut to this fucking music video like they were in like like stacy's mom or something of like fucking corinne in this like like you know country not country but like sort of like you know girl next door like sort of this was clearly a joel McHale doing like of course he made this and i love i love like we said like them doing that kind of stuff in post-production is really funny in that regard (laughs) bananas being like corinne like what do you think though and corinne's like no it's a lot (laughs) <laughs> completely unrelated to what he was saying but that's so me though like i'm i'm bad sometimes at like zoning out even when I know. It's not for like sexy purposes oh uh, yeah <laughs> you've been the victim of that <laughs> uh many times um shake uh then decides okay i gotta try to like smooth things over or whatever she's talking to corinne in the in the kitchen um you know he's like i became someone i really didn't like in the challenge and corinne's just like I mean, you've been going behind my back and saying, you know, these things in the house about how I'm, you know, stabbing people in the back and everything. Shake's like, like, I just need to explain, like, you know, when Tiffany went home, you know, I had made that quick alliance with her and I just scrambled. And Corinne's like, I know, but you blamed me and that's not fair. Like, why am I always the scapegoat? And Shake goes, because at that point, like, like you were already there. And then Corinne goes, well, thanks, Shake. Awesome. <laughs> like, the problem with Shake is he won't commit. He has these moments of villainy, and then he's like, no, never mind. I want to be liked. But he's also bad. He's really bad at just, like... But he's bad at both of them, yeah. Charming people. Oh, yeah. It's awful. Like, it's he, he has no game, really. I, It's really frustrating that he wants to, like, be mad at Anfisa for her level of... Right! <laughs> turning on the charm and then he's just so bad at it it's yeah. like bruh <laughs> it's yeah it's what are you non-existent doing? um they they basically then move the conversation to the into the living room and then apparently like there because amphis is in the conversation as well and like after the elimination happened they all like toasted in the kitchen with amphis being safe and she like called shake out to his face apparently and called him like a sneaky motherfucker like they showed that flashback Wow. But th- to where I was like, okay, Amphisa, like a little bit, you know, it's that's that's not too bad. Um, Corinne goes, so then you decided to blame me and say that it was because I was jealous of her and bananas. And Shake's like, that's villainry. That's what villainry is. It's like, I mean, sure. I, at this point, like Shake said, basically said in his confessional, like, I'm giving up even though this isn't working for me. Like, I'm just going to be an asshole. And I'm like, I guess, like, it's just, it's bad. Yeah. Corinne goes, don't use me as your fucking pawn. And Shake goes, you're such a good pawn, though. It's so bad. Wow. Um, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, it's the best I felt about myself since walking into this house, even though it's not good for my game. It's like, because you finally get to be a dickhead. Like I said, I didn't watch fucking Love is Blind. What, he's on Love is Blind, right? I think so. Where I guess he is, this is kind of him basically like they keep like bananas kept saying that throughout that it was like we find he's been trying to like mask it but like now this is like the same shake that 
we know and love, but I don't know or love him. So yeah, it kind of it kind of is a problem. Um, Shake just goes, "You're a brainless little pawn that sucks up to," and Corinne just goes, "Fuck you! You're a disrespectful piece of shit!" and starts cursing at him and and storming off. Um, yeah, it's it, so it was like okay, there's at least still like some like messy like you know yeah that kind of drama even with uh, Tiffany gone. Um, we go the next morning. Oh my god! So the Omarosa is in the kitchen with uh, the three other women because now it's she's like okay. So basically, we're divided right now on gender lines. Like there's four women, four men, and then so she decides to like show them with like oranges. She has like okay, so we have eight oranges. I'm the supervillain of the week. There's three people up for nomination. You have to pull one down. That leaves five people that are voting, which means you need three people. And but and then Tanisha, I love Tanisha here because they do the whole like you know that meme where they zoom out and it's all the math symbols yeah and she, but tanisha i i love tanisha acting as if she is understanding and she's like oh yeah you're right like <laughs> oh shit like she's like so like hyped about it when she what's hilarious <laughs> though is tanisha was right amorosa wasn't making any sense oh i thought she kind of was she, she was saying i need all of us on the same page because i don't have a vote so in order to like her oranges did not match her words which is my point which is why tanisha was confused sure she would she would split the oranges into two groups right yeah and then use the wrong group Oh, in terms of, like, saying... She had already split one half of the oranges into this one is me and this one's y'all. And then she would use the other four as if she... Because her (laughs) oranges mimicked what she was actually going to do. Right. When her words were lying to the girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Which I find hilarious and very that's actually on brand that might have been on purpose like she was just doing it to confuse them you think like well also that she was telegraphing her move she does do that a lot yeah and i still love her like i think as as a villain but like yeah she does telegraph but she telegraphs because she thinks in her mind and i kind of agree with her right in her mind, if you're stupid enough to get the wool pulled over your eyes and trust her, then you're stupid enough to get got. Right. And I think and, like Tanisha and Corinne like say that later at the um at the, right. in the stronghold. Like it's could- and that's why she gives people a chance to see through her bullshit. Because then if you catch her, then she respects you. Right, 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 right. There is sort of like she talks a lot about sort of just like being in the like especially with her alliance with fair play because mm-hmm. they keep being like we're the ones that like started this whole like sort of thing which is kind of true like they came up around the same time yeah and like that was i know. i will not take the tiffany eraser though yeah but yes but i will i, I mean tiffany's also it was a set like vh1 was also in its like own separate world so to speak yeah but none of this would exist without tiffany pollard i yeah I not the the archetype of a reality show villain would not exist without Tiffany and the and the reverence for it I would right. say at the very least as well like yeah um so Amorosa decides to take Amphisa and Johnny Fairplay on the like sort of date thing or whatever mm-hmm. that the, that the supervillain of the week uh, gets to do and they go to this like garden um park sort of area where they get to have sushi 
um, and talk. Um, Fairplay uh, says, what do you think's happening at the house right now? And Anfisa goes, Johnny and Corinne are in the hot tub. And Fairplay goes, and Shake is like digging a bigger hole for himself. And then we cut, and that's literally exactly what's happening. <laughs> Those are the moments where I was like, did some producer like give them the line? Like, I don't think they needed to. I think it was pretty predictable. Sure. We got, they're in the pool, and Corinne is rubbing Banana's feet just sort of like, and she's got like the Banana's hat on, like the, is like signature thing or whatever. And fucking uh, Shake just walks up and goes, wow, you're such a bachelor girl right now. You're like the thirstiest girl like I've ever met in my life. Like, I hope you can like see yourself. It's like. I, he, I think he just wants to go home. I think he's tired and he wants to go home. Man, yeah. Because there's no path for him to yeah. like win, really. Corinne's like, there's a difference between being thirsty and being flirty. And Shake's like, you're definitely being thirsty. I think America will agree. And it's it's just a, like we were saying before. It's just a weak version of this stereotype of like a man on this show. Like but it's, also, it's the, not that creative. It's not like I also just find it weird. Like America will agree, so there is going to be like a public voting type thing. Because normally, when you say that sort of thing, right, it's in relation to well, America will get to have their vote, and you know you won't be vo- like that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard it referenced on a reality show where there's not going to be some sort of public inner, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's like one of those, yeah. Well, but I also mean, like, usually if there's not a public vote, they usually have some sort of fourth wall up. So that might be why we never get that sort of thing. It's weird. This is a weird show, and I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't so know what show it is. It's so true. <laughs> but that's that's the hallmark of a Joel McHale thing. Yeah. Like, that's just him. So it's like, I don't know if this is just it being Joel, or if this is, it has no real direction. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Omarosa is telling Bana- or telling Fairplay and Anafisa that she's considering putting bananas up, which I don't know what the fuck happened with. I mean, I guess the conversation they had later, but like... Um, and uh, Anfisa basically suggests putting strong guys up against Shake that way that can win the challenge or whatever. And Amaros is like, well, that would only mean that Fair Play would be able to, would be the one to go up. And Fair Play is kind of like being trepidatious about like you know, I mean, I couldn't champion like saying like, yeah, put me up. And I that's where you talked about kind of Omarosa like laying out her cards too much. I kind of that's where I'm like, you've kind of like sort of like, other than like Anfisa, you've kind of made enemies with nearly everyone not and sometimes not enemies but like fair play and bananas are definitely gonna be side-eyeing you like going forward i think the closest you have right now is like infisa and bobby ish ish yeah um i part of me thinks that she is like puts too much on the table and like reveals too much of her plans and is like enticing people to call her on her bullshit but Part of me feels like all of this, like, stoic badass is a facade and she has no actual opinions of her own. And she's waiting to see what other people want to do. Maybe. I mean, because she, she seems to be very in the wind with her opinions well, on she, things. She kept saying beforehand, like, I'm going to go with the house all the time. Like, that was, the, that was her thing, like, the last couple episodes, which was, like, it's what the house Sure, decides. but that's a real strategy, right? Like, you don't want to throw yourself out there as a lone vote. Right. But even then, like, it's not exposed. So who gives a fuck? Sure. Like, throw a vote. Cause chaos. It's not on your hands. Nobody's going to... Su- 
suspect Omarosa is the one that's sowing chaos in the background. Yeah. They're going to think it's Bobby. They're going to think it's Shake. They're going to think it's XYZ. They're not going to think you. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we also get this like really quick scene of um, Corinne and Tanisha holding a funeral for like Tiffany's doll because they had all those like cro- uh-huh. crochet dolls or whatever. I was like, rude. <laughs> like, you... Bitch ain't dead. She's just stuck in the wall. Well, uh, they also are making, I, I'm so confused because they're making such an emphasis of like the dolls being like, the, it's like, think about the dolls. Like, the dolls are important. Because remember when Jax got eliminated, like, Bobby, like, put it outside the house and, like, was, like, they made such a scene out of it. And now with this one, I'm like, it, are the dolls going to come into play? Are we going to figure out what happened with this gingerbread man? What, like, like what am I supposed to, like, Are there remember? clues? Or, or is it just Joel McHale fucking with us? Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they get back to the house. Um, Omarosa is uh, telling uh, Tanisha and Corinne that she, if they would be okay with putting bananas up. Because Tanisha and bananas are also close. But also it's like, because the cast is so small, I'm like, who else? Like, if I'm Tanisha and Corinne, I'm like, well, you kind of have to put bananas up. Because, like, who else? Yeah. Like, you don't have a lot of options, <laughs> to be real. This would be better if it was, like, a Survivor se- season. Like, full, like, 20 people cast. Right. And it's like, Survivor, oops, all villains. Instead of (laughs) heroes versus villains, it's just oops, all villains. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, But then Omarosa decides to talk to Bananas by the pool about, and she's like, I haven't made my decision yet. Um, And Bananas brings up the deal that they made that week one and how, you know, know, we trust each other, et cetera. Um, Bananas is trying to, like, he's trying to backtrack because Omarosa is like, I could tell that you were, like, helping Shake win the challenge. Like, it seemed like there was some, like, alliance. And he's like... My big thing was just like taking Bobby out, and I Shake was the closest one to me, so I just kept giving him keys or whatever. It's like, you know, I that's why I'm like, I don't, I just hope Amaros isn't buying this, yeah, because I just don't think, based off of how smart she is, why she would buy it, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, yeah. Um, and and uh, bananas is like this big metaphor of like you know you pull the trigger on me i'm not coming for like those people none of them want to pull the trigger they want to plant the gun in your hand and want you be the one holding the gun when the cops show up basically so like which i guess but my my thing though is also like why is again why is amorosa believing that she wants bananas out she it's not she knows it's not the other people that want bananas out right and and but but she's like and I hate that because like we're wiping out the strong ones while the weak ones float all the way to the end. And she I will also clarify she makes this point like throughout the rest of the episode about like floaters and her dislike for floaters. She's like and, and, you know the floater a floater is the worst person thing because they just you know they they do nothing and they go all the way to the end. But that's um, also a valid strategy to stay under the radar. But here's the thing: there's all, I was going to say there's a difference. Um, and Big Brother U.S. fans will will uh, appreciate this. She's act- what she's saying. We're referring to is not a floater. What she's referring to is, is a goat, a, a goat or a coaster. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of interchangeable. Coasters do nothing, and then because they do nothing, they're not a threat, so that nobody then eliminates them, so they make it to the finals. That's a coaster, and that is kind of annoying. Floater floaters are a completely different term. Right. Floaters is people who go to different alliances based right. off of who's in power. Right. And that, they, like you said, there is a strategy to that. Right. 
but the, literally goats like in survivor it's the one that's never going to win right it's the person who has no resume who has done nothing yeah those people are irritating but they're also valuable to have at the end because it is someone that no one's going to vote for. And I don't know why more people don't also like in the like stronger people make the pitch to other people of like getting rid of the goats because it's like if especially like in Survivor for a brother where it's eventually going to come down to a you have to choose either like someone or a goat. Like if you're the the person that wants to be chosen over the goat, you want the goat out beforehand. Why? That way, because you you want the the option of which to of to be chosen, and on the off chance that you don't win that final challenge, to where you need someone to take you to the end, you oh, want you oh, okay, got you know it. what I'm saying? You want the goat to be out already if because you know you're not going to win the final three challenge. You or need you're to worried make sure that, that the goat is out, or you're worried that you're not, or right. whatever. Like you, you don't need to get rid of the goat so that you're actually have a chance to make it to the final two. Yeah, because with Big Brother, that at least means half the pot. Right. That, that I just surprised that more people don't use that as a pitch right i've always been really surprised by that that it's like that's not a strategy that somebody like put, yeah. puts out at, a, at any given time and also how it would help with the show because you get keep stronger people in and like, right from that perspective as well um so they go into the stronghold to do uh the uh nomination ceremony bananas with that fucking obnoxious fur jacket that he had was it the one from the challenge i couldn't remember like, yeah because they gave them like fur uh-huh. jackets it was like some like off brand like you know which Joel was very clear these are faux fur he was like we're villains we're not that big of a villain we're not going to kill a dog yeah <laughs> we're not Cruella Deville that's not who we are here I love Amorosa keeps uh, doing every time she is the supervillain selling the whole sitting in the oh, chair yeah. doing the big turn and I know she sits down and just like smiles at them at the end like that was good <laughs> didn't didn't she say you gotta sell it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also so Joel uh, starts uh, introducing the nomination process. I love he introducing goes Omarosa. Who are you going to nominate to yell at you first? <laughs> she picks Shake first, obviously, and then Shake like doing this like off brand like running for president speech. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know why I'm up here. We all know, and we also know I wore this exact same suit every time I've been in this room. The point of that is I came in with one suit, knowing I only had one shot here in the House of Villains. Or you just have one suit? Like, what? Like, like the fact that you were trying to craft this narrative out of only having one suit? Bruh, stop. Yeah. And, uh, and Amaris and Bobby just cracking up laughing at him. It's so bad. Um, and then, so Amarosa gets to her second nomination. She builds up of like, this is someone I've wanted out from the be- very beginning. And she goes, Corinne and like does a full like dramatic head turn like sort of yeah like I almost got whiplash from her head turn <laughs> it's so great um but she Corinne's like I'm kind of shocked but she's like you're not my target I think that you can win and basically take yourself down or whatever which is such a bad like it's such a lot <laughs> and even Corinne's not buying it um Tanisha says they're confessional this shit has more twists and turns than a wet synthetic weave <laughs> wow it's <laughs> a great fucking line so and and she has more lines to come because then find uh, her third nominee. She then nominates Tanisha, 
Um, Bananas says that like the she he's like it's clearly like going after me in the sense that if you can't take a direct shot at the person that you want to get rid of, the next best thing is to take a shot at the person they're working with. I'm like, but she should just take the shot at you. Like I, you know what I mean? Like why not? Like you're there. Like what? What more opportunities are you gonna have to take this shot at you? The problem is, is that if she's going to take a shot at people who are going to be good in the in the elimination or the uh, redemption challenge, whatever that's called, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she has to take a shot at three people at once. Sure. Because you, and it has to be late because you can't risk. Pissing anyone off. Pissing so, people off that early. So basically hoping that you do it at a time in which you like have no other options to where the people can't be mad at you necessarily. Kind of, but also like, I don't know. Cause see, that doesn't make sense. Right. But uh, that's the thing also, like, how do you, again, going back to it, how do you win the game? What is the format of this game? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I would love some clarification. I can almost guarantee you they kind of were thinking about it as they go along if that it really feels like the gag of the season is that Jax has been the gingerbread man all along (laughs) and he gets to decide who wins exactly (laughs) uh tanisha as she's up there goes i knew it i knew it was coming amorosa goes you should have tanisha goes i saw you from the beginning uh amorosa goes i've had my eye for you for a long time everyone loves tanisha floating along float on floater um, Amorosa goes, you don't need more than that rabbit coat to come at me. And Tanisha goes, chinchilla, mama, get it right. <laughs> and I was like, is Amorosa like an animal rights act? I, I had to search her Wikipedia because I, I feel like I remember that. Like her being, a, wasn't, you wouldn't know this. I'm just no. talking to myself at this point, but it was like, I feel like she got into, that's what the fight with Janice Dickinson at, in the surreal life was about. Because it was about that like because it was about like fur and fashion and stuff like that. But it's also kind of weird because animal rights activists usually don't get along with the right wing political sphere, right? So what was she doing? But over again, there? she's not right wing. No, I, she's not. But she lived over there for a while. Yeah. Any anyone who's watched like old episodes of Surreal Life, tell me if tell me in the comments or reviews or whatever if I'm correct on this because i can't remember exactly but it feels right email a gay is mb at gmail.com yeah yeah yeah. um amorosa goes all right we're done here i'm bored and starts walking off and tanisha goes i'm sure pants is melting shoes burning (laughs) 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 24.99 tanisha going off in her confessional at the end of the episode goes amorosa talking about i'm a floater i'm the last one to go to sleep and one of the first mother suckers up they're not going to tell me i haven't been playing this game child i've been interviewing people like i'm barbara walters in this bitch (laughs) she's great like she's so she is as good as tiffany i really really is like she can come up with shit off the fly like that is just like really entertaining she was just saving your energy because she knew she she didn't need to work when tiffany was there yeah and as soon as tiffany clocked out she's like i'm clocking in (laughs) She's like, I guess it's my shift. Let's go. It's so good. Um, yeah. So that was House of Villains for the week. Uh, we'll find out next week which uh, between Shake, Corinne, and uh, Tanisha are going home. I'm hoping it's Shake, uh, just because I don't. Yeah. I don't see what more. He, yeah. He contributes, but that's just me. Um, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Married to Medicine. Don't go anywhere.
Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com Welcome back to A Gay and a Zimby. Let's head on down to the ATL where, you know, you can't really put a price tag on good television, but you can put a price tag on that outfit that Sweet Tea was going to return on Married to Medicine. Oh my God. <laughs> Married to Medicine for this week. Like we mentioned it in the intro, this show is so fucking good. So good. And it's it's continued to be so good. And I don't know if you saw it, like the ratings are actually really good this season. Yeah. Um, I, I love that they're, that Bravo is releasing like the seven day, like the, um, like basically through including streaming and yeah. all that stuff, like factoring into things. And it's like, I'm glad that it's like I think it was beating it was beating either Salt Lake or Potomac I can't remember and I was like oh that's actually impressive in terms yeah. of that um yeah but I think deserve cuz this is a great fucking season it's long been under underappreciated as a as a show in and of itself but yeah. this season is just starting off with a bang it's so good um we start and also we start this episode talking about starting off with a bang with I think the funniest thing that I have seen this week on on TV, which was they see and it's the like quick scenes that we get uh-huh. sometimes on these shows, but like heavenly, heavenly doing yoga, <laughs> she's downward dogging and the wig just goes boop and slips off. <laughs> um, we were watching a clip from uh, Sherry Shepard's show <laughs> talking about where it. she said and her wig fell off and she had the prison braids and I was like not the prison braids really <laughs> you so, can just call them cornrows that's okay it's so funny I, I like it's just like good like like light fun comedy um we then started the episode by going to uh uh phaedra's house which phaedra's new house too was like stunning huge like 50 steps up from that little place she used to have with apollo yeah 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 it's like nothing like what what she used to have um but quad arrives so this is our first time seeing quad sort of like interacting with people within within the cast again um so that was interesting to see phaedra uh basically is like you know i've seen you in like south africa a lot and i heard you have like met some guy and she's like you're on a bigger and better thing than quad go quad goes aren't i <laughs> it's Ooh. like okay greg <laughs> talking about gregory uh the producer uh asked quad in the confessional what's his name and quad goes gentlemen 
gentleman friend. (laughs) I will point out that there was reportedly a few weeks in between the first episode and this one. Yeah, they, like, stopped filming for a period to, like... Apparently to get Quad back on board because, you know, they brought her ex-husband back that had a nasty divorce with her back onto the show without consulting her, without sending her a card, didn't do nothing. (laughs) No, no carrier pigeon. Didn't send a goddamn text message. Like, it's kind of rude. Yeah, no, Um, I agree. So, like, I understand why she was upset, but, man... Several weeks of negotiation to get her back on board. Yeah. And, well, Quad saying it to Phaedra of, like, you know, I basically just have needed distance from the group, you know, since the reunion. And, and she says in New York, I think. But, like, yeah. I love that that's the shorthand now. It's like we can't yeah. say the reunion. Um, and I forgot, like, all the stuff about, like, Quad, the rumors about, like, Quad sleeping with her contractor and, like, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun time. Um, and then, so, Quad's like, do you have anything to drink? And Phaedra's like, Benji? And we see her butler. Who? What extra did she get? Like off the street? Like this isn't a. This, this is like some high school kid. Is that, this like, somebody that's over there uh, doing stuff with a uh, bedroom candy or something? Maybe because <laughs> it felt like no. Because never mind. That's candy. Um, it just she it, wouldn't be related. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It just felt like a cousin of somebody that you like put in like. A, a black t-shirt and and black it felt very it. much like when when the reason i said that is because it felt very much like when candy had somebody from candy and the gang come over and deliver that invitation oh god yeah that that's what that felt like <laughs> it's like you who, like who is this what other show were they on you can't at least get, like you can find this like rent a butler but we can't see your actual like boyfriend that you have mm-hmm. in the show um, Phaedra mentions to Quad how they've been talking, a lot of the women have been talking about Greg and Sweet Tea's engagement. Um, Phaedra says that Quad and, or Phaedra tells Quad that Sweet Tea and Toya are really close. And Quad goes, oh, well, that doesn't shock me one bit. I can't even begin to tell you why Toya hates me so much. And then they just show the compilation of everything, accusing her of staging Anila's break-in, um, claiming that she's sleeping around. Not uh, even staging a break-in, actually being the one that orchestrated a literal break yeah <laughs> not staging or faking actually committing a theft yeah and she's like i just don't get it like it doesn't make sense to me um quad is like with toya like she's off the table there's no reason to even try with her and phaedra goes well she's putting stuff on the table child and then she brings up that toya brought up her dui um at, at sweet tea's party quad is claiming that basically so she got like i i was sort of confused thing i've never gotten a dui so i don't know like i'm not first because you know we are uh 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 uh, responsible drivers yeah um she was apparently she said she was cited and then she declined a field test right and then she was like i talked to my attorney and they basically like threw everything out or something which like can you just decline a field test and not face well if you decline a field test it's automatic dui because they that's why so she refused to have it on record that she was intoxicated. And so because of that, they just assume you're intoxicated. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that makes it better. <laughs> it, it, because at that point, you can say you have no proof that I was intoxicated. It gives you a legal argument, but most people don't have the resources like Quad does. 
to challenge that with a lawyer. Sure. That's fair. Quad, quad saying, it's classic Toya. She has a personal vendetta when it comes to me. It's like, you guys have a personal vendetta with each other. But also, it was in the papers. Sure. It was in the blogs. Like, she didn't, she's not just searching your name on the records websites, you know, yeah. all the time. Like, that's not what's happening. Quad brings up uh, Heavenly at one point, and Phaedra's like, yeah, she basically, like, kind of feels like you've deserted her a little bit. And she's like, I mean, have you called and checked on me, Heavenly, <laughs> to see how I'm doing? It's like, I love the, like, you should have checked on me first sort of, like, dynamic that keeps happening, like, with these conversations of, like, you know, like, it's like, just be the person that says you're upset and calls. Like, like don't be then mad that people don't respond when you're, or don't aren't proactive in like you know talking to you that's just my thing like yes people should check on people when they know that they're upset and going through something but also if you're upset and going through something and you need support fucking tell the people that you need support from right exactly and phaedra goes <laughs> phaedra in her confessional was funny she goes i do understand why quad's upset but phones do dial out and receive incoming calls. <laughs> like, that's my point. Um, and then Quad says that Heavenly, like, sent her a photo. She says she sent me this photo, but it was, like, an Instagram post. So I was confused. Like, she, did she send her the Instagram post for some reason? Which, like, that does sound like Heavenly, actually, to when, yeah. I, when I'm rationalizing it. And it was a photo of her with Sweet Tea being, like, having brunch with a new friend or whatever. And it's, like... Actually, no, now that I'm, like, that sounds like Heavenly completely. <laughs> sounds like exactly something Heavenly would do. Yep. Um, speaking of Sweet Tea, we cut over to her new house slash Quad's old house. Uh, as she's cooking dinner uh, for Dr. G. Um, they're starting to discuss, like, the wedding and stuff like that at the table. And, and Dr. G is like, you know, all the hard work I've been doing with this wedding. And she goes, what have you been doing? You're just, like, paying for it. <laughs> like, which, I mean... Are you working extra in order to pay for it? If not, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, here's the thing. I understand that, like, she, it's it's a lot when you're the only one paying for it, seemingly. Because he said, like, 90% of it or whatever, that he's, he's the one paying sure, for it. Sure, but it's also a lot when you're the only one planning it. And as someone who has planned a wedding on their own, not completely on their own, but I understand, like, it's not your forte. Well, so I planned our wedding pretty much on our own and it was a small wedding. I can't imagine doing that level of a wedding on my own. Yeah. Absolutely not. Well, and also he, he says in the confessional, he's, and he's clearly like, doesn't understand what she's saying. Cause she's right. He's like, you know, you send me color palettes and like, you know, blush, like blush, like how am I supposed to know about blush? And she's literally like, but, like, can you at least, like, put together your guest list? Like, that's something, like, like I can't do that for you. Yeah, it, it's, it's just mind-blowing that this behavior is exactly what blew up on his side. Is what blew up him and Quad's marriage. Yeah. And we know Sweet Tea knows this. Clearly. And it's like, girl, <laughs> it's the same shit. Yeah. Sweet Tea tells her, uh, tells him that she's overwhelmed and G's just like, this one was not supposed to be stressful. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not supposed to be hearing shit about the wedding. <laughs> it's like, really? You're just supposed to wake up one day and go, hey, babe, you're not going to work today. Instead, we're getting married. Yeah. Is that what, is that what that's supposed to be? Yeah. And I will say though, Sweet Tea is not perfect on this because we will get to a scene later where I was like, wait, what? Like <laughs> in terms of like planning of this stuff, Sweet Tea goes, well, you can hear this. You need to be more active. And Greg goes, I don't know why I should be. 
Cause yo ass getting married too, motherfucker. What? Yeah, Greg's gonna be Greg. I tell you. Um, but then Sweet Tea's like, I'm gonna turn into a bridezilla, bridezilla seriously, and you're gonna de- see a different side of me. It's like, I love when I love when people say that in a relationship. It's like, well, what what gets me is when people are wanting to be a bridezilla when they're clearly like taking full advantage not in the manipulative and abusive way but like fully taking advantage of all of the benefits of being with this person and you bring very little in the way of resources to this marriage you have a lot to lose ma'am yeah if he decides your bride to the ways are not for him well apparently well we'll get to it with the conversation with phaedra later apparently not because you know i i believe it was confirmed i don't know where that they did not sign a prenup Why? <laughs> it's so bad. It's... This woman came in your DMs and said, I will be your baby mama. Put one in me. And you said, I'm going to put a ring on it. Like, and you have and the... give you half of my shit. Because that's what g- getting into this arrangement with no prenup is. And it's like, you already did this once before, Greg. Like, you already did this once before. And now you have the added element of wanting a baby with this person, which is an added, like financial lever in terms of this stuff and you're like yeah no prenup she's gonna be with you long enough to pop out two three kids and then she's gonna take your ass to the cleaners she she watched that i i always cited that wendy williams segment do i want one lump sum or 18 years of payments (laughs) (laughs) well she also clearly watched the the reunion where simone's like they are coming for you. They know who you are. You are on television. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, we go to uh, Dr. Jackie at her office, um, and she's talking with uh, Dr. Bullard before her next appointment. And so we find out that she's hired Dr. Bullard to help her on with her practice. And I really was happy to hear that, like, Jackie's, like, sort of finding that work-life balance that we, like, it's, it's like seasons on seasons that's been, like, yeah. Jackie's story. Of like, and she's like, you know, I make it the point now that I see my last patient at two o'clock. Yeah, and I get my weekends off. And- well, and as a black woman, she has so much pressure, right, to be that much better to get equal recognition. Yeah, and she's had to fight that for so long, and had to overperform and do that for so long that she doesn't know anything else. You know? Right. And so it takes a lot to deprogram that. Like, no, I'm okay. I don't need to overextend myself in order to keep the lights on. We're good. Yeah. And especially, like, when that practice is so thriving right now that she right. has. Like, she she has every ability to just... Like, every baby popping out in, uh, in Atlanta is going through her hands. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of that, so then should we go... Th- I also love when we see, like, the random celebrity appointments that, like, Jackie right. gets. So she's uh, uh, basically uh, helping the brat with her baby, um, which I didn't know... So, like, and one, I didn't know she was pregnant. Um, with, with her, uh, wife, Jenny, um, two, she's, uh, cause I get, she's 48, I guess at the time of this, which is a pretty late, like yeah. sort of like pre- pregnancy. And she obviously went through like IVF and stuff like right. that to get there. Um, it gave Jackie an opportunity to sort of talk about sort of the stuff she talks about, like the high, like, uh, maternal mortality among black women, right. and, like, 
you know, uh, preeclampsia and like um, just you going diabetes. to get a cheeseburger? Oh, that's so- <laughs> she's like, so what did you eat last? And 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 the brat's like being quiet, and her wife Jenny goes, she had Wendy's on the way here, and she's like, you snitch every time. <laughs> She said, it was a single, though. I usually get a double or a triple. And I had lettuce and tomato on it. <laughs> All sorts of vegetables. <laughs> That's me rationalizing, though. That's. I also really loved when, like, because she, she has to get, like, a urine sample at one point. She's like, and the brat's yelling from the bathroom, how much do I need? She's like, fill the whole thing up. She's like, I don't have enough. She goes, give me half. <laughs> Jackie's like, just get. <laughs> I love it when Jackie doesn't play with her, <laughs> with her patients. Um, yeah, I love those scenes. Um, speaking of another scene I really love. So then we go to Toya, uh, Toya's house, by the way. So we find out that Toya is doing a, Toya has a wine club that she, where she has like these select wines that she picks and you can get like a box or whatever, which I kind of want to sign up for. Like I, Kinda. when it, when she was laying it out, I was like, Oh, I, if we had like the spare money for that, I would definitely. Be like- and if you like to support us going to her wine club, you can go and buy, uh, Gay and MB merch at gayandismb.threadless.com. Give us wine. <laughs> the Gay and MB wine fund. Um, and also, I loved it. She, they start the scene, and she has this, like, wine, um, like, open. it's like a wine opener thing, but it has, like, the little spout where you can, like, sort of, mm-hmm. it's basically like a beer tap or whatever, but with wine. Well, yeah, it, it makes it so that, basically, you don't have to worry about recorking it. Yeah. It's just, it's always corked unless you're pushing the button to dispense the wine. It's like, I want that. The, the, yeah. That's nice. Um, she's uh, FaceTiming Sweet Tea because she's going to have like an event to where so, the sort of introduce the wine club to everyone and stuff like that. Um, and Eugene comes down and, uh, and sits with her at one point. Toya then tells Eugene, so um, when are we going to have this uh, sex conversation with the boys? Because they're a little horny. <laughs> it's like, I... Oh God! And but I will say I thought this was a we. I think we said it last week on on the premiere episode. Like I love Toy and Eugene's marriage, and I think, oh yeah, and and also just their family dynamic. And this scene was like a great example of it. It was one of the best, like sort of like wholesome. Maybe is not the right word, but like it it was it was a it was a fun family scene. Um, yeah, and their family scenes are always like never forced and just like sort of like really fun and natural um she talks about how she tells eugene like yeah because like i was in the car with the boys and like one of them was like dad was looking at playboy on the uh, on the smart tv (laughs) and he's like i was watching the documentary (laughs) (laughs) and then the the boys come in later to do this talk and he goes which one of y'all snitch (laughs) (laughs) it's so fun um but i also thought this was a good like I thought this was a good um, example of how to do this talk because, I mean, that's, yeah. that's like the big thing. Like, how do you have the sex talk with your children and stuff? Like, and they're like, I think their kids are like 11 and 13, I want to say. Somewhere in that, like, pre-teeny age. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was a good way of, like, being informational while also being um age appropriate age appropriate and also not like harping too much on it like they made it fun you know i was i was dying laughing like when they were like i i felt like a child laughing (laughs) sure but like some of the laughter was like at the kids reactions to things like gonorrhea and chlamydia (laughs) toya going there are things that you can catch we call them we can talk about crabs little bugs on your penis (laughs) (laughs) It's like, but also, I, I think also be like Eugene being a doctor helps. Cause like when you're a doctor, you kind of don't have that stigma 
Yeah. Of like, oh God, how do I like say like what to right. like, you know, whatever. I and also like the the Toya and the kids miming the orgasm with like a <laughs> the firework explosion. explosion type thing. Eugene's like, it's not that big, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like that they laid out like how like, you know, me and they're like, you know, your mom and your dad were raised very differently in terms of like having that talk. Eugene basically says like, I didn't get a sex talk. My dad gave me condoms and said, if you get a girl pregnant, I'll kill you. And that, well, that's fun. Yeah. But it's like also like, and as much as they talk about like, you know, pregnancy and like sexually transmitted diseases and all that stuff. I don't think they talked about it in a scary way. Cause that, that, you know, I think it's not a, and I love the way Toya put it. Like you're going to have, I think, she said, like, you're going to have feelings, and that's okay to have those feelings. It's normal to have those feelings. Right. We're just uh, trying to teach you how to handle those feelings responsibly. Right. And I also thought it was – I saw some dialogue about, like, I would be interested to also see, like, eventually – maybe maybe 13, 11 is a little young of an age maybe to do this because – you're kind of giving like the preemptive like sex talk, but like eventually like, you know, how you then have the discussion about like consent. Right. Well, and a lot of people these days are talking around consent in a very different way in that they raise their kids with age appropriate consent conversations that are ongoing. Right. So like, even as a, even when your child is a baby, like, you know, that child can't consent to you changing their diaper, but like, yeah, obviously that doesn't make sense, but still ha- talking through that with your child. I've like, seen those like TikToks and stuff like, like that, where it's like the, like the, I forgot, there's a, t- there's a word for it, the type of parenting. Like it's, it's um, gentle parenting. Gentle parenting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, just talking to your kid. If your kid don't want to give you a hug, don't touch them. Right. Like that sort of thing. Like if you instill the very essence of what consent is, which is that your body belongs to you and no one else. Yeah. Then talking to them around consent when it comes to sex is going to be so much easier because they already understand that no one else's body is mine. That's such a good point. Like it, like it doesn't, it, cause we talk about, I think we, we think about it in the sense of like teaching boys this in terms of right. women and like how, but I also, I think, I think there's obviously like societal aspects that we put on men that are right. a factor. But like you said, like when we just lay it out from that simple spot, if you, if, if like, like you said, knowing, knowing your idea of consent, even as a man allows you to have a better idea of consent for everyone. Right. I, yeah. I, th- I think that's the, I hope that's how we're progressing. I hope society. so. Um, and I, and, and, uh, Eugene basically tells him like, you know, let's just continue this and be open with each other so you guys can make good decisions. And I, I, you really do get the sense that like, there's a respect and, and, and like, not just sort of in the general sense of just like, like, like you could tell Eugene and Toya really respect, respect their children's feelings and emotions and like value them as just like human beings. And that's not, that doesn't always exist. Yeah. A lot of kids are seen as property or seen as something that is there to help you with chores around the house. Mm-hmm. Like there's a conversation currently around kids being like a pretty like marginalized community when we really think about it. Yeah. Like 
their opinions are completely dismissed. Their thoughts and feelings on things are completely dismissed. Their experiences are dismissed. They are not diagnosed um, with things that are going on because people aren't listening to their to what they're thinking and feeling. Um, like all sorts of horrible things happen to kids because they don't have control of their own lives. Um, and you know, like reframing childhood as a marginalized status really can help you understand that we have to give kids as much choice as they can have from a safety standpoint. Right. Right. Like you can't give them full choice. Don't let them drive the car at five years old. Yeah. But like they need to have as much freedom as they can have within limits of safety. Yeah, I agree. Um, we see Sweet Tea then going uh, wedding dress shopping with Toya and Phaedra and her friend uh, Jesse. And this was the part where I was mentioning before. I was like, you're less than a month out and you don't have your wedding dress? Girl. Not even, like, picked. It's one thing to not have it, like, fitted completely yet. But, like, at one point when she picks it at the end, the, the, the woman at the shop helping her is just like, so when's the wedding? She's like, end of the month. She's like... Oh, okay. Um, um, like at, at that point, I need you to go to Ross Dress for Less. Yeah, <laughs> and pick you out a white dress and take that shit over to the little tailor shop down the corner mm-hmm. and get that shit fitted. That's what we're going with at a less than a month out. We're not getting a gown that has to be completely fitted to your every curve, right, ma'am? Um, so they she starts going through dresses. Um, this gets to the part where it's like they were Phaedra and Toya were kind of like, but here we'll, we'll get to our thoughts on it. Like, uh, she comes out with one. She's like, I don't, Phaedra's like, I don't know. It's like cream. I don't know if that works. And Toya's like, you ain't no virgin anyways. And they like joke about it. And then there's one, Phaedra already made the comment last episode about, uh, sweet tea having kind of a flat, um, behind. Mm -hmm. She's like, your butt challenge. (laughs) You want to get buttermilk biscuit, not a pancake. But also, like, why are you going dress shopping and you don't have all your bits and bobbles, like, on? Sure. You don't go... This is a tip for any, like, person that wears any sort of shapewear or anything like that. Wear your shit when you're going to pick clothes. Not just a wedding dress, but with, if you're going out to shop for clothing and you know that you normally ha- wear a push-up bra and you're not wearing one today, or you normally wear Spanx under this sort of thing and you know you're looking for that, wear that shit when you're shopping for it because you need to know what it's going to look like and feel when like. your titties are up underneath your jaw and your waist is snatched to high heaven. Like You need to know what that is going to be like because if you don't like shop with that in mind, it's not going to look right when you take it home. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then Sweet Tea in her confessional is like, well, in Atlanta where everyone's, you know, nipped, tucked, and sucked, I'm not fresh off the table like you guys are. I was like, okay. Like, sh- like Shade. Yeah. G- give the Shade. And- but it was re- it was deserved because Shade was shot at her first. Right. But I thought that was like fun Shade. I didn't think there was anything wrong with Here's that. Here's the thing. I also thought that, fa- I thought Phaedra and Toya's was also fun Shade. And, well, and, right. And Toya, because Toya thing is like, yeah, I mean, she's going to have like a girdle on. You're going to have to like snatch that waist. And I, and Toya on Watch Happens like, like was like, I didn't mean to say like girdle. Like I meant like, you know, like corset, like, you know, like bitch ain't nobody wearing a wedding dress without something being snatched. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? But we'll get to it later at the wine party. But it was like, there is sort of this sense that like, like sweet tea's coming on this show and this is a shady fucking show. 
Right. Like you like putting aside like you have to put aside for a second the fact that this is a friend group generally and how people would operate. Like if you're going to be with Toya and Heavenly and Phaedra and even like Jackie and Simone to an extent, they're no they're they're their love language is shade. Right. right. It's never well not I will, not never. <laughs> but some but some, most of the time it's really just a fun banter. Right. And I think like, you know, you can't be too sensitive. Right. Like cuz I get that you're it's like you're in a new friend group with new people, but also you know you're also on a reality show. Right. And you know you know what show this is. Right. You can't come in here and be too sweet tea with it. Yeah. Um, when she's getting fitted again, Toya asked uh, her friend Jesse that's there, you know, how did you and, and sweet tea meet? And Jesse goes, we actually met online in a group uh, for black women that date older men. And then Phaedra just goes, you what they call sugar babies. <laughs> it's like Phaedra. There's a difference. Sugar babies are not getting married. That's true. They're just getting some presents. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and returning presence uh-huh um and but sweetie's like look it was like it's like an age gap support group on facebook but it's also like i mean i, mean, I guess but also when did she again when did she get with greg it wasn't like a it was like less than a year ago at this point right it was they had been together six months by the time they got married and right. they had been and they have now been married for six months yeah so it's like so last year, right before the holidays, is when they got together. But you're close, and my the reason I bring it up is that this is a friend that you're bringing dress shop, wedding dress shopping. So you're pretty close, I would say. Right. And like, so my it makes it feel as though like she was on that for a while. Right. Even before Greg. Also, which means she has a type. <laughs> also, where is your sister? That's true. Why is your twin sister? Not with you wedding dress shopping. Yeah. Girl, what is happening? <laughs> um, and then she says, in her, Sweet Tea says in her confessional, you know, a lot of women are going to judge you. People have pulled me to the side of the bar and said, like, are you okay? It could be, like, quite embarrassing. It's like, yes, but, and, and oh, and then you were, I, you were, I think it was you that said it, that, like, she's my age? Yeah. I she's was, She's literally a year older than you. I was like. Okay. Like, I know there was, like, I thought she was at least, like, at the very least, like, late 30s. No. She's, like, 31 or 32. Mm. Okay. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we go uh, then to Toy. <laughs> I, got, I just got to move on because I'm going to be mean. <laughs> Toya is getting ready for her event and she's getting dressed um, and Eugene's helping her. Eugene tells her something about like, like, you know, cause Toya is like, you know, worried about the event. She's like, he's like, don't get frazzled when people try to like keep you in a box. And it's basically like, you know, you know, these ladies are going to like throw shade at you, et cetera. It's, and I, I, part of me was like, Eugene, you know, Toya is just as shady. Yeah. <laughs> like you married a shady bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but I think that Toya also internalizes a lot of that shit. Like right. some of the other ladies, it just rolls off of them, but it doesn't roll off of Toya. And I think that's more what he was talking about. And she has had this narrative of having to like prove herself like over mm-hmm. the years. And like it's part of the reason why she keeps moving houses and like. Well, and part of this show is also the dynamic between the, the, the doctors and the, MRS MDs. Right. And 
like Toya is the only MRS MD that is still on the cast long term. Everybody else is gone. Well, Quad left between seasons and came back the next season. Who knows? <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. she is held to a much lower standard and people are like, well, this is a cute little project that, good, you know, a little housewife has. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, belittling what she's trying to do. I get it. I get why she's self-conscious. Yeah. Um, they go to the wine club event and everyone starts arriving. Toya is giving like a little speech to sort of like introduce everything about the event. Oh, I was also going to mention, I hated Phaedra's look at this party. <laughs> She's been really going for this black bob a lot, like this like shortcut like black bob. Which what I, was this look? The, oh, it was the look with like the diamond harness thing. It looked like like body armor. Like it looked yeah. like like it it was just like it, it didn't look like it was fitted right. And it was then, not good. And it, and it was like two pieces with like a long uh-huh. skirt. I I was not a big fan. It was not great. Um Toya is telling them about the wine club and she like she trails off at one point during this uh, talk and she's like, I, might, I find myself drifting off and heavily goes, you've been drinking. <laughs> and then Sweet Tea goes, I mean, you were drifting off yesterday. You and Phaedra. Phaedra's like, I thought I went great for wedding dress shopping. Sweet Tea's like, y'all was mean. And this is where I was like, okay, you got to like toughen up a little bit. They weren't that mean. But I also feel like if you feel like it's getting thrown at you, you got to buck up and like throw it back. Right, throw it back. Like have the like like I'd much rather you throw it back than just like sort of be like, Well, you guys were mean to me and like But I'd still rather her say y'all were mean to me than just sit on it and be angry all season for no good goddamn reason. Sure. At least this way there's still drama. But also so then Toya and Phaedra are like, Well, we didn't I'm sorry, that wasn't like our intentions. Like we just have like they were basically like we just have like fun banter. We're just shady cunts, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then as they're apologizing, Heavenly just goes Someone said you were in therapy for dating older men or something like that. <laughs> and then just sips her drink. <laughs> and, oh, I, I have it in my notes as well. You noted, you had an eagle eye. Because as she says this, they're all like, what the fuck? And they cut to, like, Toya shot. And there's a man at the bar. Like, Who, right- like, is just picking his shirt up, flashing. The, it's like just turning around with his bare chest to the camera. Yeah. It's like, who is this man at the bar? What's going on here? Sweet Tea goes, who said that? And Phaedra goes, I didn't say shit. And Heavenly goes, I didn't say you said it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, uh, Heavenly is just like prodding more about this though. Like she's just sort of been like, so it's like therapy. Like you listen to music. Like what, like is it like, and then sweet tea, this was good shade. Sweet tea goes, you want to join? <laughs> <laughs> and Heavenly goes, well, my husband's uh six months older. I might not qualify. <laughs> Oof. That, that's a rough six months. Yeah. But I mean, she does call her daddy, call him daddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sweet tea, uh, sweet tea in her confessional is like, you know, these ladies are way out of touch. They're damn near my grandmama's age. I'm a millennial. We communicate on social media. It's like the social media part's not the problem. <laughs> the, the social, like whether you went to a like in-person therapy or not, it's like, it's the fact that it's a group for, uh, to use Frazier's term, sugar babies, but you know, like, like that bracket of women who like older men which is great i'm glad that you have community that is important you have a similar struggle in life i get it right but like people are gonna shade you for it you need to know people are gonna shade you. she's for just kind of walking into it to a yeah it's like what show did you think you were signing up for yeah 
And then Sweet Tea mentions how, like, you guys all brought up, like, quad at the party, and it was, like, really uncomfortable. Jackie apologizes, and, like, sort of, like, we didn't mean to, you know, all that. But you can tell, like, Sweet Tea's, like, getting uncomfortable and just upset. And Simone picks up on it and, like, pulls her to the side to, like, you know, go to the bathroom to talk or whatever. Uh, she's just like, I don't have time to, like, take care of me. Like, I have, I don't have the support at home. And Simone's talking with her in the bathroom. And I love this. Simone has this, like, really just, like, soft, gentle way of talking to people. It's like... It's gonna be okay. You're gonna, you're gonna rise up. And you're gonna <laughs> like I unless need, she's calling somebody out. Like Simone should just make a tape of just like positive affirmations. Like she just, really should. But then also she needs to have a tough love tape that is literally just her going. They know who you are. <laughs> they are coming for you. Because that's also motivational. Yeah, sweet sweet tea tells her. I mean, I had a vision and thought Gregory would be more involved. And Simone goes, if you wanted someone very involved in wedding planning, you should have married a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And I feel like Simone wanted to be like, um, uh, I know Gregory. <laughs> like, that was never going to happen. Uh-uh. Um, Heavenly, when, when they're still in the bathroom, Heavenly's asking Phaedra how Quad's doing. Um, and Jackie talks about like, look, if, I'm div- if I've divorced my husband, you cannot be his friend. And think, because she thinks like that's kind of why Quad is like sort of distancing, distancing herself. And she's like, we haven't heard from her. So I don't know how to operate. Like, is it because I'm certain, you know, bringing sweet tea into the circle and that's why she's cutting me off and whatever. But um, again, it's, it's very like not fourth wall breaking or like put that fourth wall completely up because we know why. Um, and then Phaedra in her confessional goes, all I've heard is he said, she said, I'm not Nancy Drew, so if we're all going to get along, we have to get in a room and hash it out. And then when we see the trailer for next week, I'm like, not like that, Phaedra. Not at this event. <laughs> so bad. Um, Toya does like a little competition where they have has her wine versus like a boxed wine or whatever to determine who's like the boxed wine bitch of the group, and Simone wins. <laughs> Which because she lost. Well, because boxed wine, we I feel like we've talked about this on the show that boxed wine is fantastic because it's like <laughs> oh yeah, if I'm picking wine, it is literally the Franzia chillable red boxed wine. Yeah. He's like, I like whiskey, vodka, the Sauvignons. Like, I don't know what that is. And he just, and then Simone just like starts cracking up laughing. <laughs> so then Sweet Tea is basically just like, look, I'm heading out, y'all. I'm tired. Like, I got a wedding to do, like all that. And Heavenly just whispering to Phaedra, child, she dating an old man. <laughs> <laughs> look, she got to get on his sleep schedule. Uh, that man goes to sleep at 9 p.m. And then, okay, and then so Sweet Tea then gets up to leave and then turns around and we just see the fucking full price tag on the side of her dress and Heavenly and Phaedra just fall out. Done. Absolutely done. I literally, uh, I looked like uh, New York's mama falling out of her chair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I was dead. Jackie and her confessor goes, she's not the wife yet. You got to wait until you get Big Daddy's money. <laughs> uh, and then Heavenly, as they're leaving, tells Toya that like she's really proud of her with her new company. And Toya and her professor goes, that's a huge compliment coming from a hater like Heavenly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Accurate. true, though. That is true. Um, we then see Phaedra uh, going to dinner with Dr. G. Uh, Phaedra talked last episode mm-hmm. how they're such like, good friends. <laughs> such good friends that I, I – she goes to the, the hostess stand and then sees G in the corner and goes, I see his little egghead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, they talk about sort of like, you know, the, you know, getting with sweet, getting with sweet tea and all that stuff. And Phaedra talks about, I hope you get like a little boy. Dr. G goes, I got to meet the right partner with the athletic ability. She ran cross country and Phaedra goes, so she has good legs with her little natural booty. <laughs> She's like, you ran cross country and you don't have an ass is basically what Phaedra wanted to say. Look, Phaedra just needs to send her her uh, booty boot camp uh, DVD. Yes. In, 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 in the tracks of, of Amazon. I'm sure, I bet those are still like available to buy. Um, Phaedra asked uh, G if he's afraid at all to get married again. And G goes, what's there to be afraid of? everything like again like you had a full marriage with quad and we and have you seen this show (laughs) no never mind (laughs) she has not seen this show phaedra tells him the key thing is you have to be raised alike you have to have a very similar mindset she is much younger and then she goes she's marrying papa yeah which it's and i don't know how like phaedra ends up getting to the conclusion of like i think they're gonna work but it's it's like you presented every red flag to him possible phaedra and he's just not taking it for whatever reason like you know and g goes i mean that was the problem for me phaedra goes you felt like a little bit of a predator and g goes i mean i don't know if i was predator or prey I mean, that's accurate. If he can, like, but that's the thing. Like, if he can, like, explicitly even acknowledge, like, I know the way she hooked up with me was kind of weird and suspicious. Like, to me, to, like, actively, like, say that and not follow up on it. I mean, it's G. Like, he's. Yeah. He he can't really think that straight in terms of things. Um, And like I mentioned before, like, Phage is, like, actively encouraging him to, like, get a prenup. Um, she's like, you tell me you don't trust her. Vader goes, I don't trust people in general. <laughs> like, uh, you can get, um, fine body by Phaedra and Apollo volume one donkey booty <laughs> for 75 89 on Amazon. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> yes. $75 for this. How DVD. long is that? How, how many hours is that tape? I, I, I don't know. Um, it's like man, this is ridiculous. Like I thought, frequently bought together is this one and Kenya's booty bo- of uh, booty boot camp. <laughs> you can get them both for eighty seven, which means Kenya's is ten bucks. Well, because Kenya's not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you can say a lot about Kenya and about Kenya, especially during that time. But like, at least she priced her DVDs correctly. <laughs> Yeah. I I cannot. That is hilarious. It is one hour. It is a one (laughs) hour DVD for $75. I cannot. That's, oh my God. (laughs) Phaedra. Do you think Apollo's, if if anyone happens to buy that, do you think Apollo's still getting the money for that? Oh, absolutely. He is the lead actor. Oh. Phaedra is second place. How is he the lead? Yeah, he is credited first. It is given a 3.9 out of 5 stars with 344 reviews. That's not bad. Three, I mean, that's pretty decent, I would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, it worked for Phaedra. She got that donkey booty. Yeah. Uh, Dr. G's basically like, he tells Phaedra, like, I want a family and I want kids and that Leticia can provide that for me. And Phaedra basically says, like, I've never seen G happier at the end of the day. So, you know, good for him, I guess. <laughs> she doesn't say yeah. it like that, but like. Well, and I, I do, like, other than this little dinner that they had at the beginning of the episode. Right. I do feel like 
they work a lot better in energy than G and Quad did. Doesn't mean that Quad was the problem. It's a, they don't match. They just didn't match. That's fine. Both of them are perfectly fine on their own and are perfectly matched with someone else. Right. But it wasn't together. Yeah. My question is if there's things on, under the surface that we haven't seen yet. and that's I feel like there is, but also it's only been six months. How do you already got problems? I know. I know. It's. I mean, it's almost like you should have tested it out a little you're bit more. You're still in the honeymoon phase, and you're about to go on your honeymoon phase. Uh, like, you hadn't even got out of the dating honeymoon phase yet. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, God. But that was Married to Medicine for the week. Really great episode. It, like we mentioned, if you're not ma- watching Married to Medicine, do it because it's so fucking good. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the past week of Big Brother UK. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm your Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination and equity and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on over to London where the house guests get whittled down to the girls, the gays, and no Tom in this final reckoning on Big Brother UK. Big Brother UK for this week. Um, lots of things to say, to put it mildly. It was definitely a, a whirlwind of a week. Um, good results mixed with bad results mixed with... Uh, I got really frustrated, like, the last two episodes that we've watched, like, yeah. like going into it. We'll talk about sort of why. Um, but, like, it's still satisfying in certain ways at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, start to, we'll start the week, though, with, like, kind of the not so 
fun thing because I forgot th- with everything that happened post it, I literally forgot about this at a certain point until I was like putting my notes together. I was like, oh, yeah. So um, the, we should talk about the first double eviction of the week. Right. And that was Chanel. Which right. I am just fully, I can, I am shocked how I fully fucking turned on Chanel this season. I, yeah, I, I really, I, I really liked her in the beginning, and she just spiraled towards the end. Well, and I think Jordan talks about it later, not in relation to Chanel, but relation to Jenkins and Tom, is that it's paranoia is what took over for her. Yeah, and I really hope that she's not that kind of person outside the house. But who she showed to be inside the house was increasingly bad. I just don't, I can't fathom the like, again, we talked about in the previous weeks, the sort of like not understanding of Trish and Noki. Oh, I mean, and that's putting it mildly. Right. As opposed to just like absolutely disregarding like their feelings, which is, as I would say, would also be more apt to say. But like the way she was just unrelenting in terms of not giving an inch in terms of that, like the whole like secret conversation that was the rule break and stuff like that. Being like, I, the way she still committed to the interview and on being just like, I mean, I could have been talking about anybody like I, whatever to the way, well, I would say until her like post interview where the AJ and will the host, like literally had to be like, literally pulled it out of her. Cause she even still then didn't want to give it to him. And then she was giving like the backwards excuse about like, well, I didn't want to say it to Trish then because then it would have been a rule break again, which I don't think it would have been. I but, I mean, even if it would have been, you were still holding that up in confessional, so... That's the, that's the thing. Like, you can't be like... I you were den- you were denying it like you said the, you were denying it in the confessionals as well so don't say that it was just like you were like like if it was that you were holding it inside intentionally you would have said that in the confessional right but you weren't you were maintaining completely that you were completely right in this and it was at the point where they got to that point where Chanel and Trish had that conversation in like the loft uh, thing where I was just like her just like inability to just sort of like take any accountability and yeah. That, like like just saying it was all in Trish's head essentially and just like not even like the, the idea that and, and AJ and Will kept saying it to her in the interview of just like you didn't even offer an apology yeah and and she just like still to that point was just like yeah I didn't like you know it's like I I will say um it was pretty great and I'll spoiler alert uh Trish is the other person eliminated god um, but it was pretty great in the late and live like oh. interview <laughs> where they were shooting over Trish's shoulder and you could see like Chanel, Chanel glaring in the background. It's just like this is great. And Trish is just letting her have it. Yeah. Well let's talk about that now. So and then sadly, like like what I would say one of the biggest upsets in a while on oh, yeah. on Big Brother UK. Trish gets evicted. It's largely because of the whole like they People probably split between Jenkin and Olivia for the yeah. second one, and then Trish, yeah. the damn Facebook moms, white racist Facebook moms. My my issue is that when it is an, a vote to evict, right? Um, and we have a double eviction like this, people then have to orchestrate like strategies and whatnot to keep their favorite person in, as opposed to just voting for your favorite person to stay, right? And I feel like what ends up happening is that you get rid of people that deserve to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't get rid of 
actual problematic people. Right. Well, and, but also it's like you, there's an incentive to vote for people who have done more versus people right. who have done less. That's why we'll get to it later, but like that Tom coasted as far as he did. Right. I mean, he wasn't ever up for nomination, but like other people, right. like he had the ability to sort of coast in that regard. This is the difference between a coaster and a floater. Exactly. There this is go. a coaster. And I need to put my drink on it. It's a coaster. Um, but no, like Trish, like because she had that sort of like big character ability, like to me, I also think I will get to it. The I'm really loving this final six. I actually think this is a really solid final six at the end of the day. Yes. But I think like Hallie should have been in there. I yeah. think Carrie should have been in there. You know, you could even maybe make an argument for Farida. Like some people could, and like not me, but some sh- people could. But, but like, <laughs> but like interesting enough characters, right. right? Like, like you know, you know what I'm saying. And it's like in in a way, those people should last longer than Paul and right. Dylan and like these people who did nothing in the house. Yeah, and like that, I think. Like you said, if you switch it to vote to save instead right. of vote to evict, you alleviate some of that. And, and you know, I'll say, like, the fact that, like, Nikki Graham, one of the most iconic um, house guests on Big Brother UK ever, like, went home, like, halfway through at one point because it, it was a week where literally everyone had been up for eviction because someone had violated uh, one of the rules. So they put everyone up for oh, eviction. Geez. But because she was – like, people loved her for her tantrums and she was insane – but also, naturally, because she had a lot of tantrums, people also didn't like her. So much the similar thing happened where they split the votes amongst, like, however many people. Right. And so because, like, it just isn't a good way to go about it. Yeah. You know. Um, but I also, I want to commend Trish. We'll, we'll get to some of the stuff, like, post-Trish's um, elimination in a, in, a, in a second. And I'm, and I'm putting that to the aside because um, it's going to be a longer discussion. But, like, I also thought she held... held held herself so well in that post eviction. I mean, and it was such a, and it was literally so jarring because not only were they cheering her prior to it, they were literally chanting Trish for the win in the crowd, which I don't think it's really ever been done. Yeah. And like the amount, the way she, it just went from like excited shock on her face and, and excited shock from like her friends as well to then her being evicted. It was just like really crushing in that regard. Yeah. Like, it was a little, like, you know, you've talked about how you hate the booing because it can kind of play with people. Like, this was, like, yeah. fully playing in terms of in terms of emotions and stuff like that. Um, and I thought, she, like, I thought she really handled herself well in the eviction interview. I love that she didn't back down in terms of her feelings on certain things. Like you said, like, with Chanel sitting right near her as she was just... Uh, and, and it was cathartic in the sense that it allowed her the opportunity to just speak, right? Like, like that, like it was taken for granted the fact that she was constantly not being allowed to talk and sort of like just get her point across in certain ways in the house, like that, like like realizing that in the moment that she just finally gets the opportunity to speak her mind in that way, I thought was really cathartic and and you know satisfying to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so since we are talking about it, let's talk about the stuff surrounding Trish's social media. Yeah. And I don't want to, here's the thing. I don't want to get too far into it because based on like, like the way that me and Merlin kind of think about this, it's not, I actually don't think it's that deep 
I think it's a discussion point, but I don't think right. it's deep. So after like a couple of days after like her eviction, people were digging around in old tweets of hers and and stuff like that, and there was a lot of sort of like really terrible tweets from I think like twenty was it twenty twelve or twenty fourteen? It was like ten years ago. But, yes, but there have also been more recent things. Yeah, there was like recent as like twenty nineteen. I think and, there were some that were earlier this year. Yeah. But it was like and 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 a lot of them there was a lot of like anti Asian like sort of like stereotypical stuff and there was there a was lot. some homophobic stuff in there. Yeah. Kind of it kind of ran the gamut a little bit. Um here's what I think and and you know I think in many senses, like we've, and I think we've even discussed this on the show, the idea that like the way that we as a society shit on sort of evolution and how people grow in many ways in terms well, but of, but not even just people like people like to completely ignore that we were as a society, all edgelords 10 years ago. Yeah. Every last one of us was making cringy jokes, was making like, borderline offensive uh, even fully offensive jokes as just casual everyday banter right and like y'all like to act like y'all motherfuckers weren't out in these streets with a full hard r all the time i wasn't that word don't exist in my vocabulary but a lot of y'all motherfuckers right now that like to be on uh social media all right-wing or left-wing progressive people i've heard the hard r come out of y'all's mouth and it shouldn't have been so some of y'all need to take a couple seats yeah so as a society we were fucked 10 years ago we were awful horrible humans we're not much better now but we think we are (laughs) yeah so like here's my thing tweets which are usually within a context of a lot of things say less about someone's character than a 24 hour camera on someone for five weeks. Right. And the idea that we, again, and also you have the live feed. So it's also not just like an edit on a television show. You have the live feeds. Like if she, she would have said problematic shit in the house, if that was still her belief in terms of things, because guess what? <laughs> on these types of shows, that shit comes out. If you believe it, uh-huh. like it, 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 it like we, if you're comfortable enough to be saying certain things, you will. The, there will be a clip of you saying it, right? Like, and and, and so, it's just it's frustrating because it's like, why are we holding? Like, yes, there were some things that were earlier this year, not great, right? She's apologized. She has come forward and said, "Hey, look, I was so invested in who I am now." That I had completely divorced myself from who I was before. Right. And I think a lot of us do that. A lot of us are so involved in how we've evolved that we forget where we evolved from. Right. And we forget that we were all little goblins on the internet not too (laughs) long ago to the point that I literally went back through all of my old tweets yeah, and yep. I was like, did I say anything that could get me in trouble? I didn't, thank God. But, like, you you then start getting paranoid mm-hmm. of, like, I know I grew from some fucked up past. I know I'm a better person now, but, like, 
how much of that is online? Right. And also, this also should just be a disclaimer to anyone getting on reality TV, just in general. The idea that we're still... Or talking, starting the podcast. Or, or, just be, or just being in a prominent being, enough yeah. position. Like, scrub your tweets. Like, yeah. like, like, just like none, nothing was that funny enough where it's like you need to preserve it. It's not a photo. Yeah. It's not a family photo in a frame. You can like, right. it's fine. That it doesn't exist. Scrub it. And, it, and, and again, as long as you're evolved, right. right. As long as you don't believe those things anymore. And, you, or, or, and, and I understand that what you're saying about it, it's, not, it's also not even like a belief. Most of the time, sometimes it's just saying shit to like, right. Be edgy or like whatever right like like just scrub it it's just, just scrub it like and there are literal services that will do it for you it's actually very easy <laughs> so like i just that was more my like oh really like you're not gonna scrub your tweets um but also they're supposed to have someone who like checks these people out it's right. literally part of their wellness program that they make sure that they're not putting people in the house that put other people in an emotionally dangerous state. Right. So why wasn't this not found beforehand? Also, I guarantee you there's some fucked up shit in Dylan's old tweets and Paul's old tweets, but y'all haven't found those, well, right? Well, we found a well, we already found a little bit of Paul's. <laughs> well, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but like but y'all haven't come after them. Y'all haven't canceled them. But that's the other thing. And because your motivation for looking through Trish's old tweets was because she was calling out racism in the house. That's she true. was calling out misogyny in the house. And she was stepping on y'all's toes. Yeah. And no, it, it, that's definitely what it is. And also, like, can I also make the point of, like, those tweets from Trish are bad. Also, doesn't change anything that happened in the house. Right. Because what happened in the house is divorced of those tweets. Right. Because they had no knowledge of them. And it doesn't give – also, it doesn't permit people to treat Trish or Nucky the way they treated them. Right. It doesn't. Like – Well, what really irritates me is, like, Farida coming out and saying, oh, well, that's why she was treating me like the way that she was in the house. I didn't see that. Oh, Yeah. Farida's gotten all up on this train. Farida, you are such a messy bitch. <laughs> it's just like, I cannot. It's, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. But it's like, just stop. Like, yeah. nobody is perfect. If you think you're perfect, you're probably the worst of us. Mm -hmm. So stop it. Me and Merlin had a good, like, divorced of the whole, like, Trish element of this. Like, had a pretty good, um, uh, joint rant uh at a certain point this past week of um we won't do it here because it's way too political and it's gonna piss a lot of people off um i don't care i don't, I don't care um okay robin dixon <laughs> 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 but like yeah we'll we'll save that for outside the podcast but like yeah it's that that was just like you know that that's our two cents on it like you know i think it's a, it was a discussion and then we fit and then we can move on. I feel. I I feel like yes, there should be ramifications. I think it was fine to bar her from future Leighton lives for the rest of the set. Uh, not is she not going to be there called? for the finale? No, she's not allowed. Rude. Yeah, but I mean, I I get it. And Paul's going to be. Mm, Paul shouldn't be either. Well, he is going to be. He's going to take his shirt off, and we're going to act like it's normal and cool. I, don't I know. guess whatever. Uh, I I guarantee you, Tom's. Facebook and Twitter is just 
as bad, if not worse, than Trish's was. We'll get to But Tom. they'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be fine, right? They won't have anything. Ha- because nobody's going to go look. Yeah. That's yeah. the issue. Yeah. We'll get to Tom. We'll get to him. Um, before we do that, though, let's let's talk a little bit about the... I was going to say the love triangle. It's kind of not become a... Maddie's kind of really sort of taking the backseat now. Well, well, because I feel like now Jordan and Henry have, I think, been honest completely at this point. For the, for the most part to each other. I think Jordan really redeemed himself this week, and I was very worried last week that he was going down a road that was going to really fuck him over. Like, and... Sure, but I don't necessarily trust what Jordan's doing. You still don't think he's, like, attracted to Henry? I... No, because he has actively said, no, it's platonic. I But, but he said that a while ago. Not a while ago. But no, he is still actively saying that. When? He said it literally, like this last episode or the episode before I can't but also I feel like he it's one thing when he we'll get to it later when he was in like the spare room like that sort of dynamic yeah. I, think, I think that was like a completely yeah. foreign concept or Correct. whatever um I, I don't know I, I'm kind of thinking that like he's finally sort of at least being somewhat honest in terms of like maybe he can't put the words to it in terms of a relationship but he can say that he can vocalize how much he cares about henry and i do think the care whether it's whatever is is at the very least genuine sure i feel like he ramped things up around the same time that he started thinking maybe he could go you think so okay okay jenkin (laughs) Because Jenkin, Jenkin was literally saying that at one point this week that he thinks that like Jordan's like playing Henry for the I game. I don't think he's fully playing him for the game, but I think that it has played into it. Mm. Like, I feel like he realized that things weren't going the way that they were going to go with Maddie. And so he shifted gears knowing that he could get what he needed to get out of Henry without any pushback. Yeah. Not to jump too far ahead. Um, I will say the counterpoint to that, and then somebody brought this up on Twitter. I don't remember who. I wish I would name them. But they brought up the idea that it they're pretty fe- definitive that it's not the case because when Jordan was evicted, quote-unquote, fake evicted and whatever, but to all, by all intents and purposes, he knew that he, that he was evicted. He still was very affectionate with Henry post that, in, like in the immediate before he left the house, quote-unquote. Sure. So the question would be then, like, why would you still do that if you knew you were gone? Like. Because you still have, like. You still have an interview to do? You still have an interview to do. You still have. It's not like things don't end here for the housemates. Like. Yeah. They, you know, have the possibility of getting endorsement deals and things like that. So, like. Can you imagine the Jordan endorsement deal? Oh, my God. (laughs) What is he going to be selling? I I don't know. (laughs) But you know Henry's going to be selling, like, caviar and champagne or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lobster Thermidor. <laughs> when is the Juno Birch collaboration happening? When is he going to play The Sims? Honestly, I'm here for it. But but I, I don't know. I, I Call me a, a you know, a, sim, a simpleton in the sense. But it's like when they were, like, kissing, like, this week and finally sort of, like, being intimate with each other, I was really, like... I I got gushy about I, it. I did too, but then I just like it occurred to me that like why now? Why is this happening now? Why is is he only 
giving in to Henry because Maddie has completely shut him down? Like, is it is Henry a a consolation prize? Maybe. Is Henry a means to an ends to win the 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 whole thing? Like, I'm, I'm I have a harder time believing that it's a game aspect. I I have a more chance of believing the first part of what you said about that he got rejected by Maddie, and so therefore. He's going, but to he's still keeping Henry at arm's length, even if that arm is a little bit shorter these days. You think so? Yeah, because he's still telling him it's platonic. He's still very much saying, you know, like not this is not a, a real thing. Like we need to have a discussion of what this is, and it's just like I need, I need you to stop. Either shit or get off the pot. Right. That man deserves better than that. Tory as he is. <laughs> I can't believe I, I'm possibly wanting Henry to win this whole season. I really, I really am. I do not want him to win. I, I understand the reasons, like, of why he shouldn't He does not need money. That's true. <laughs> that is true. That man is rich. So is Olivia. People don't realize that she is, but she's talked about having, like, a giant house, having people that come over and clean the house. Yeah. If anyone need if anyone needs it, it's Yinrun. I, I want Yinrun to win. I still want Yinrun to win. Yinrun is still my pick and my favorite, but I, yeah. Yeah. Um so then let's go to the okay, so the final reckoning stuff um that was happening this week. The sort of like big sort of build up to everything. Um this is where at this point on, I was getting a little frustrated with the show. Not the show's fault, necessarily. Like, it wasn't the format of anything. It was more just how things ended up transpiring and happening. And how, and, and not, to, not just from a, like, I hate this person or, like, sort of, like, whatever. It just led to not good TV. And, yeah. and I'll explain why. So they, ha- they get this, like, they, they have this, like, disco party that they're doing or whatever. As like a reward. And then they basically have to stop and they immediately then have to do face-to-face nominations. Shade. It was, this was like the bit, like this was the week of like, we are fucking with you. Like we are fucking with you until finale night. Like um, emotional manipulation for sure. Emotional Uh, damage. Yeah. Um, So they all finally have to do face-to-face nominations it's a, it's for the most part t- like they they've been building up this like we'll get to it at the end but like with like Tom and Jenkin with like Ugh. all the shit talking that they've done Ugh. and like sort of how bold they are about pe- their opinions about who's playing games or whatever Tom ain't nothing but a lost little lamb Tom is a bitch I'm just going to say that he is a full on bitch <laughs> like it's a bitch <laughs> um so like they're all start nominating etc um I, I, I really like Jordan's speech because Jenkins nominates Jordan being like, we don't really get along, basically, whatever. And Jordan basically being like, you feel like I'm a game player, so I guess that this is me playing the game by nominating you. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good, like, uh, uh, it was it was really satisfying. Um, Jordan and Jenkins get the most votes, but then it's a tie between um, uh, Olivia and Tom for the third person because three pe- they say three people have to well, be nominated. There was four that were tied, so it was yes. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was Tom, Olivia, Naki, and fucking hell, someone else. Who's the other? Maddie. No, Henry. Not Maddie. Henry. It had to have been Henry because um, because then Big Brother said the two with the least amount of votes then have to then decide. Which I feel like it was going to be. 
I feel like they said the person with the least amount of votes, but they realized that that was Yin Run, and Yin Run was never going to make this decision. Love, no. love yeah. Yin Run, but like we would have been here for hours. Well, Maddie didn't get any votes. I think Matt. No, Maddie got a vote from Olivia. He, oh, he got one vote. Did, from, did Yin Run also get a vote? No. no. Oh well, that's okay. what I mean. Like okay, that's yeah, what that, I mean. Like that like, like Yin Run had the least amount of votes, but they're like. And Maddie as well, because, like... <laughs> I, I feel like it makes sense, though, because, like, the other three people all had two votes. Right. It was a tie between those four. So, Yin and Maddie decide that they're not going to put Henry or Naki up because neither of them nominated, nominated them. them. So, it's between Olivia and Tom. Yeah. And they decided that Tom's reason for being nominated was more egregious than olivia's and yin runs like falling apart at this point and like please don't make it this one like don't and maddie's like like that's the only thing that makes sense though but maddie also literally says at one point i could get better with olivia (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i thought was there were a couple times where i was like i was happy tom was getting digs at him like in certain yeah. ways, but so, and then Tom literally, t- cause it's so conflicted. Cause Yin, like Maddie's wanting Yin run to say it with him. And she's just can't like, but Tom literally tells Maddie, just say it, just say my name. It's fine. And then Maddie says it. And she, and then, then Tom immediately it's switches. Clearly not fine. <laughs> clearly not fine. Um, and it's just like, I don't want, I mean, don't be crying. When, like pissed at Yin run and not just pissed, but like vocally, like just be like, you know, she doesn't feel sorry for me. Shut the fuck up, you fucking little twerp. I hate him. Like, I, I just, I absolutely wanted to pinch his head off like a pimple. I, I, I gotta give you genuine credit because you clocked him week one and I didn't see it. And like, you were completely right about Tom. He's the <laughs> fucking worst. He's absolute trash. Ugh. Um, And then they, so they all, Big Brother has the three nominees all stand up and they, and basically goes, so, by the way, all three of you were evicted. <laughs> and the look on Maddie's face, it's like the sides of his face started melting. Yeah. But his face was so distraught. He turns into, like, droopy dog. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it was so, like, if it wasn't so sad, like, how heartbroken he was, it would have been comical. Right. It was just, it was marvelous. And And I was like... And so they all, they go out of the house, but, the, and they're in the diary room getting ready to leave. And then big brother tells them, well, by the way, you're not evicted. Two of you will eventually be evicted by the public vote. But for the time being, you are going to be put in big brother's spare room and you're going to get to watch the house, etc. We wondered if they were going to do this. They've this done season. this in many years in the past with big brother series. I, I keep calling it a season. Sure. But like it's it's a it's a classic Big Brother thing, and I was like, oh, I'm excited, it's back. And then slowly it set in me, on me, like, oh, but it's these three, and it's the shittiest version of any implication because they're only getting it at certain times. Did you notice that? Yeah, it like cuts off at certain points, which I thought was odd. Like, but like, <sighs> this was a big mistake having them do this because literally every scene in the house that would happen for the next like two days, a scene would happen. And then we would just get commentary from them being like, well, they're fake. They're so annoying. God. And it got, it was happening over and over and over and over again to where it was just like, I wanted, I was like, can the episode end? Cause I'm just, it's not like entertaining to see these fucking like, you know, grouches, like just like shitting on them. Like it's, 
the my least favorite parts of the season were Tom and Jenkins in the fucking garden. And this was like, okay, you, you know those parts of the episodes? Here's a full episode of it. Yeah. And add in Jordan trying to fit in with the two of them. And, and, so, with, and slowly realizing they're crazy. Oh, yeah. Because he goes into the confessional and is like, these two are deranged. Yeah, they <laughs> they were so fucking obsessed. It yeah. was like, and 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 the way that like the way they just turned on Olivia. Oh yeah, simply because Olivia wasn't bawling. Yeah, for like days because they laughed. Olivia Jordan tells this to Olivia later when he gets back in the house, and Olivia's like, "What did they want me to do?" Like, yeah. Like, they're literally, like, oh, I think Tom even said at one point, they're just, they don't even care that we're gone. They're just so happy they made the final. Yeah, because they made the final. What really frustrated me about this was this entire game, right? Jenkins has been whining in the yard about people game playing. And, you know, they're here for the wrong reasons. You know, they're just here for the money. You know, all those sorts of things, right? Then he gets into the spare room. Yeah. And he's mad at the people for genuinely just enjoying each other's company. Right, right, right. So then what is the point of being here? Yeah, well, and and that's the thing. That's a good point. Because it wasn't just the fact that Olivia needed to be sad that they were gone. They were upset that Olivia didn't isolate herself from the entire rest of the group because... right. Because she was the only one left on their side, so you shouldn't be interacting with them. That's the stupidest fucking, like, yeah. like expectation you would place on people. And also, again, just speaks to the fact that, like, it's not even about a game. You're practically out of this house. You may still get put back in at this point when you're in the spare room. But you're practically out of this house, and you're still mad at these people. Yeah. I just, I can, I can, you know what I mean? Like I can understand being mad at them because you want to win. Right. And you, so right. you get so your emotions, get build up and whatever, but you are close to, you are foot out the door and like, you're still acting like this. Yeah. It, you're like, you may still be in the pressure cooker, but like the pressure has been released. The lid is off. You're yeah. just sitting there in simmer mode. Like you're not in it anymore. Stop it. Right. The, the, and Tom was just insufferable. Him being, I don't want Yinra packing my stuff. Like, I don't want her touching any of my stuff. It's so, like, nasty. And the, they eventually get a challenge where they, Henry has secret tasks that he has to do, but doesn't realize that it's the people in the spare room giving him the task. And it was just, I just, I cringed really badly. They edited it enough to make it seem, like, not as bad. But I cringed when they were like, so with Olivia, like, make fun of her dancing and like with Maddie, like flirt with him with, um, with, uh, Yin run, pour water on her and don't, and ignore her for the rest of the day. And with Noki, take her oat milk that she can only drink because she's vegan and pour it down the fucking sink. I was like, this is nasty. It, it would be like sneak up behind Olivia and tickle her. Take a shit in Noki's bed. Yeah, like, like, what? This is not... <laughs> these are not equal things. Yeah. Like, I need you to understand. Uh, and uh, I will say the most, the most satisfying thing was, again, them utterly realizing that nobody gave a shit that they were gone first off. But then also the moment when 
like so before they have the eviction when they're still in the house olivia's makes that song up when they're all in the hot tub of the girls and gays and Tom because <laughs> that's the, right. who is left in the house basically. Um, and then as soon as she, as they leave, they're in the bathroom talking about the eviction. And then Olivia just starts going the girls and gays, no Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, like Tom just going, Oh, okay. Like he was so pissed and it was so funny. That was the highlight. Um, Tom literally when I also love Tom literally turning to Jenkin at one point going like are we bitchy like are we like me are it was very much are <laughs> am we I the, the villain <laughs> <laughs> am I the am I the drama <laughs> yeah because he was like at one point like they were just having a discussion like Olivia was talking and then Naki like talks to make a point and, and they're being like Naki's like interrupting Olivia and like she's not even speaking up like you know but <laughs> and, and then she's like I hate how Naki is like centering it on herself when literally everyone else was also just talking about their own experience around a topic. Yeah. Like Olivia was saying, well, yeah, this is my experience. And Nucky goes, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, this is my experience. And then, you know, Henry goes, oh, well, that was, this is my experience on this topic. And they were just like, I can't believe that Nucky is centering herself and like making it all about her. She's so conceited and narcissistic. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. It's yeah, and then also so two two last things from the spare room stuff. One we mentioned about like Tom's obsession with Yin Run and this whole discussion point of like they treat her like a child, like they they really just like baby her and treat her like a child, and she like plays into it. And they were so convinced that like they were going to get to see her in the diary room, like they they I feel like they literally thought she was just going to go into the diary room and then just immediately speak in a perfect English accent and just like drop the drop her her the um, quote unquote gimmick that they are assuming she's doing and then when they realize like oh wait no it's the exact same and she's saying the exact same well they even call her in to like question her because they they get a task where they get to be big brother for a minute yeah and um call her into the diary room and question her about why she got rid of up for a eviction and she literally gave the same answer and they were like oh yeah well i i guess like yeah i guess that was her reason well and then <laughs> he the way that he also harped on the idea of like because yinra mentions like it's just like some of the jokes and some of like the she doesn't say it exactly like this, but she, what she means is like some of the jokes and some of just the like sort of like immature humor and stuff like that was like something that I couldn't really like join in on essentially or whatever. And then like there would be moments that would be happening in the house while they're in the spare room. Yinren makes a joke about like, oh, look, this is my fingers and they're Jordan and, and Henry kissing and Tom being like, well, that's kind of an inappropriate joke, huh? It's kind of an inappropriate joke, I would say. It's like, is it? She was talking about Paul and you mooning people all over the place. And, like, ripping people's bed sheets off and, like, hiding shit and, like, throwing lettuce on Carrie and, like, doing, like... Literally all of that juvenile bullshit as opposed to this, which was a sweet little aside about, you know, budding romance. Yeah. And, I, I mean... The last thing also, I am sure that Tom completely, like, he was going to go home no matter what. I'm, I'm pretty much convinced. But he really fucking sealed it with that moment when, and the, the moment that they showed on the late in live as the preview, where Henry and Noki 
were in the garden just sort of talking and, and Henry's basically yelling about like, I miss you, Jordan, blah, blah, blah. And Jordan at this point is in the bathroom uh-huh. and Jenkin and Tom are on the earphones and knowing like you hear Jordan, Henry saying that he like misses Jordan. Jordan then walks in the room and goes, what I miss. And Tom goes, Henry's basically saying like, yeah, I'm fine. Jordan's gone. At that point, that but, sealed his fate. But you realize that's not all that Henry said. Well, yeah, I can remember exactly. He said, I miss you, Jordan. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? That's what? The way that the late and live audience booed the fuck out of Tom seeing that clip and literally. That, yeah, he I, sealed his fate with that. Yeah, and, and I wish that would have been brought up on the late and live interview. The late and live interviews with Tom and Jenkin when they got evicted were okay they weren't great i think they are trying to be neutral in that they don't because part of it is that they're investing in these housemates to be future people endorsing things on their network and stuff like that and they can't do that if they are then shitting on the housemates themselves so they need to present them in the best light that they can as much as they can control within the house. They don't really like there is control, but like they said what they said. Right. Right. As opposed to, and it didn't have to, here's my thing though. It like, it didn't have to be about like calling them racist or being like, right. why are you treating Trisha Nogi one way? That would have been one thing. Like to me, it would like the Jenkin one was the big thing where it was like, they talked about like, Oh, I mean, it was like crazy that first week when you got all those punishments and like sort of all that stuff. And yeah, that was part of his time in the house. But to me, there was no discussion about like, so one of the things that we kind of picked up was that like, you kind of spend a lot of your time in the garden just like talking about other people being game players and like we didn't see as much of you like interacting with other housemates and integrating to me that's something you could have said while still protecting him right and that was frustrating to me it was like yeah yeah he, he it was like you gave this perception of him as this like sort of like high energy character and he had moments of that but for the most part that was dwarfed by his just shit talking all the time yeah yeah and that was my, like, that's my, that was my frustration with the interviews. It's like, we're not really getting to, like, like, the real shit about, like, how, like, why were you booed? Why did you get, like, because that's the thing of, like, you should tell a person, like, why do you, th- like, this is why at least we think that it seems that the public voted you out. Right. That should be told to them to a certain extent. Right. And it can be dressed up in a way, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, they, um, some like sort of like miscellaneous stuff as well that happened this week we should talk about. Um, I really, they did the, that, um, challenge where they had to do the podcast or whatever that they, where they did the interview. I actually really also liked Trish speaking about like her sort of talking about her experience. She was in it with Henry and Maddie and like talking about also like. Nobody standing up for her and stuff like that. And Maddie was like the first one to jump in and go, look, I should have. Right. Right. And sort of very, like, smartly talking about how it's sort of, like, her perception of her toughness. Right. And that because of that, you don't conform. Like, you don't comfort someone. Right. And that's kind of the white privilege aspect of, like, it's, like, right. Olivia or Chanel could be the aggressor at some, at Trish. 
but and but the perception, even if you're on Trish's side, is that like, well, Trish can ha- can handle herself. She's tough. right, and it's like Trish do- doesn't need her sister to come into the house because she's tough. Yeah, and they have that moment also where Trish and Noki were explaining that to Henry to a certain extent about how they hate that word, right? Like, strong and tough and stuff like that, and you could tell he was understanding it, which I really appreciated. Right, like. I feel like Henry is a Tory in that he's a privileged shit. Yeah. And he's never really had to think about it. Right. I really hope that... I mean, oh, that was really the case in the podcast, too, when they were talking about COVID. Oh, geez. And and about, like, yeah, I think Boris Johnson did a great job. After Trish just explained that she lost, like, two of her, like, grandparents to, like, COVID and, like... And Maddie talking about, like, being a doctor during COVID. Yeah, I was like, oh, Henry, okay. Uh, <laughs> talk less, please. <laughs> I really, like, I, I'd like you to be in the final. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. But, no, like, he, I agree with you that, like, he doesn't, like, I think it's very surface. Yeah. There's not, like, a, like a deeply held, necessarily, belief. Right. He hasn't, like worked out this is why i stand for these things it's just more of a well everybody in my family's a tory and like we benefit from tory shit so yeah might as well vote for them which i feel like is the case a lot in the u.s as well like on on every area of the political spectrum like you tend to vote with your family and the people that you're around right and we really should be more accustomed to questioning those things even if you end up back in the same place you started you end up there with information and you end up there with a conviction of this is where i'm supposed to be yeah whether you're exploring the political spectrum whether you're exploring sexuality or your religion or your gender or any of those things even if you end up back where you started you end up back there with wisdom right with this is why i believe this is why this is who i am not well that's just how i was raised and i think that exploring the world in that way is really the most healthy way we can do it and the way that we can approach life without ignorance. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that was Big Brother for the week. Uh, we're go- heading towards final week. Uh, uh, not too much left uh, in the show. Um, we we kind of mentioned already, I think we both agreed that our pick to win is Yin Run. Yeah. Um, I would be happy. Here's the I personally would be happy with either Yin Run, um, Jordan, um henry or i i I actually would be happy with olivia like i olivia i we didn't talk a lot olivia kind of turned it around for me this week in many ways i I like she talked good she took good ownership with the trish stuff and i think like it kind of proved to me that she was a little bit taken in by like the jenkin tom section and when she was divorced from that she like was better i would say in the house yeah what about you i I tend to agree. I honestly, like you said earlier, um, I do believe that this final, which is actually not the final, there was another elimination that happened last night, and it's not, it's going to be airing tonight as we're recording this. So we have not seen who it is yet. I have had it spoiled. 
But, oh, great. But um, I have not. <laughs> because I'm all over the, the Reddits and stuff like that. Y'all got us in. I, I will like, say that. We were invested in this series. So uh, we'll definitely be back. And we'll be back for Celebrity Big Brother as well when it comes next year. So we're excited for that as well. Um, who knows if we'll review it. You'll see when we start reviewing it. But, <laughs> you know, we'll definitely be watching either way. Um, but, yeah, I, I love this final. I think it's great. Um, I, I, again, like you said, I wish we had had Trish. Yeah, yeah. I wish we had gotten to hold on to Carrie and Hallie for a little bit longer, but you know, that's how it is. You know, big brother is not always about who is the best housemate. It's about who is the one in the middle. That's not rocking the boat and can get all the way to the end, you know, and then who's the best out of those six right, or five or however many end up with that so yeah all right let's get into these tops and bottoms we got uh hoville house of villains we got married to medicine and big brother uk what you thinking babe hoville is always funny to me i want to start with my bottom it's actually from hoville um uh house of villains uh my bottom's gonna be shake oh uh, yeah i i i was very indifferent on him in this episode i was just like yeah this is not the this is the character yeah i do not like on these shows um, it's just not my, and it's some other people's taste, I would say probably, but it's just not mine. And I, and I think like, it's just in a world in, in a world where we have the Tiffany Pollards and the right. Omarosas that are so nuanced in a way, but also sort of creative in how they sort of execute things. I just found it to be very lazy and th- and yeah. that's almost worse than anything. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to shit on women. <laughs> it's, it's not that hard. Um, go look in society. Um, my top though for this week, um, is going to go over to Mary to medicine. I'm going to give it to actually a joint top. I'm going to give it to Toya and Eugene. Okay. Um, the Bush Harris's, um, I really love their dynamic. Like I mentioned before, I think they're one of the healthiest couples on Bravo. Yep. Um, even when they do fight, like it's in a way that is very healthy and, and respectful of each other in certain ways. Right. And I thought their their sex talk that they had with their boys was actually really just a fun. It was one of the funnest scenes of the week, I would say, overall. Yeah. Um, and I really just enjoyed, like, their dynamic. It makes me happy to see them sort of interact. And, and you know, if, if they were able ever able to divorce, that would be one of the most crushing. Like, oh, I would be, like, in mourning for, like, a month. Yeah. Like, Kyle Mauricio is one thing, but, like, that would be, like, absolutely devastating. <laughs> That's the institution. That's the institution. Oh, uh, yes. Um, yeah. So, that's my tops and bottoms. What about you, babe? So, I think my bottom is going to, uh, with no big surprise, Tom from Big Brother UK. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Um, he's just, he's a weasley little bastard. <laughs> and I just can't. Um. Look, maybe he's a good guy outside of the house. I doubt it, but maybe he is. Um, And I will leave space for that. Sure. But I just... It's just been, like, nasty the entire season. Like, there have been no redeeming moments. Um, And it's just... He's got this, like... I have said it multiple times. It's fucking Randall from Recess. <laughs> like, I can't... Is that his name? I think I think so. Let me... I'm going to look it up. Um. Anyway, the little Weasley guy that snitches on everybody to... Uh, no, it's Randall. It's yeah. Randall. Okay. 
Anyway, he's just, I can't. I can't. I absolutely can't. I hated kids like him growing up. I will always hate people like that. I will punt them over any fence I possibly can. <laughs> like it's just on principle, like people like that are slimy. It's it's awful. Yeah. Ugh. So I, I'm going to turn my attention from that bullshit to my top of the week, which is Tanisha on Hoville. Love Tanisha. Um, I am just really looking forward to seeing. Because I can kind of see the shape of the rest of the season, right? It's going to, uh, dear God, if she goes out next, I'm going to be mad. But if she stays, I can see the rest of the season shaping up as a divide in the house between Omarosa and Tanisha. Tanisha will have um, bananas on her side and Omarosa has um, fair play. And, like, they'll just kind of split and become, like, these, this is what I wanted. This is the villain off, right? Yeah. Between her and Omarosa. And she she did. She clocked in this week. And bitch is here to play. Um, And I am really excited to see the energy. Because here's the thing. New York is always, like, high energy like going and taking it there but she doesn't really have that i not not to mean like depth of character but like the oomph the underhanded dastardliness mm. to her that really like she's just she's just a bitch at the end <laughs> of the day right that's just who new york is and we love her for it um like jacks she has grown since her villainry um, and can still access it, but it, she's really just, she's not that person that she was on Flavor of Love anymore. Um, and she tried to take it there and got voted out. And now Tanisha's taking over. She's like, let me let me show you. Yeah. Let me show you how to get down and dirty in the mud with these bitches. Because Omarosa don't play. Omarosa will go and, like, fix the voting machines. <laughs> <laughs> um, allegedly. Um, but... <laughs> Tanisha will go there too. Tanisha will get nasty in the mud with you. Right. And that's the villain off. That that's the pairing, the head to head that I really foresee this season going to. Those two and the Johnnies. And it really just being the four of them to the end. Yeah. Heading out this giant nasty fuck you battle. <laughs> and I am here. For every fucking second. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.